Welcome to the Mega Man's podcast with your host, Stephen Martinez, a.k.a. Mega Man. This will be episode 144. Uh, my guest for today, he's my cousin. He's my boy from NorCal in the Central Valley in the city of Turlock. My guest for today is YouTube sensation, my boy, my cousin, my family, the Martinez family blood, Devin Martinez. What's up, man? Hey, what's going on, Steven? What's up, everybody? I appreciate y'all having me here. This Hell podcast yeah, is dope. Hell yeah, I know. Um, I, I don't, we don't know how this coronavirus, so um, I'm going to start doing a lot of phone calls on Anchor and stuff. Shouts to Anchor for letting us uh, connect with uh, me and you, man. No, for sure. Anchor is a dope, dope out. You guys should all download Anchor if you have not otherwise and get on here and start making that money. Huh? Hell yeah, hell yeah. Well, first things first, man. How, how's your day, man? What you been up to lately? My day has been, uh, to be honest, it's, it's been just all right. I can't leave the house, so I'm getting kind of crazy, not going to lie. And uh, I just started some new work with like a different client. So I'm basically just doing tedious shit all day. I, I wish I was just out doing other stuff other than what I'm doing right now, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, the whole thing about essential, you know, like for me, I work at a grocery market. So um, I'm, I only have two days off, but lately I've been working uh, about 50 or 60 hours and stuff like that. So, I mean, you can't complain. I wish in a way a lot of people who ha have jobs, but when I've, I mean, I'm, I, you know, I pray to God that I have a job and I'm, I'm still making money from times like these. No, you're right. You're right. That That's another thing, too. I was talking about this with a few different people is that I, I say that and it's kind of jokingly right. But I'm I'm 100 percent grateful I'm able to work right now and I, and I still have money coming in different ways, you know, so that's that's very, very true. I don't want to overlook and make it seem like it's nothing. I know, man. It's just like ever since uh, this Corona, I mean. The, I mean, I heard about this. Let's get let's get it. Let's get into the topic because we're, we have so many uh, topics to talk about, and also, um, and down in in the end of the episode, we're gonna get to know you and all that. But I know a lot of people don't want to like this, not talk about the coronavirus and stuff, you know, stuff. But well, I was looking at the stats and everything, and you know, like they just opened up the city of Wuhan in uh, in China, so there's no it's it's done now so the coronavirus the quarantine is done so everyone's all good now so what do you think about that I'll, I'll be honest i don't know what to think about it and usually i have an opinion on like everything and I, i'll give my opinion on this i'm not gonna i'm not gonna leave an open i'm not gonna give you an open-ended answer but as far as like with china i don't believe anything that they say if they said that we have they have a million cases, I would think that they got two million. If they said all of our, you know, we're we're getting better, I just think that they're not doing better. They they're notorious for suppressing and lying about their about all their data and what happens in their country and whatnot. So I don't believe anything that they say. On mm -hmm. top of that, just overall with the virus, I, I have no idea what's gonna happen because I don't think that we I don't think anybody knows what's going to happen there. You have experts that are kind of tracking it and, and they're getting all this data, but even the data that we have right now from the tests and whatnot, we haven't tested everybody. We don't really know who has it entirely. We're really testing just sick people. So like by the time someone gets a test, probably like 99% of the time they know they got it. They're just getting tested just mm -hmm. to confirm that they got it. So they don't, you know, go around a bunch of other family members or whatnot. So it's like, even the data we have now, we don't, we don't really know how it is. It's like, of course we have such like a, uh, I don't know, like you'll see like a spike in like tests one day. They'll be like, Oh, these tests in this region shot up 10%. Like, you know, all these people are getting sick and it's like, no, 
we probably just have all these tests backlogged that got tested like a week or two ago and the uh-huh. results are barely coming in. So it's just a lot of just chaos going on and it's something we should be worried about, but I don't know to what extent. It's definitely a severe disease, but I really don't know what's going to happen. I mean, <clears throat> with this whole thing that came out, I mean, people say it came out of wet market and where Wuhan is, it's like a little military where they do chemical weapons and stuff like that. I mean, there's always going to be like the conspiracy stuff. I mean, you know, trying to cover it up. But I mean, with this whole coronavirus is spreading like wildfire and stuff in China and, you know, in Italy and now here. I mean, everyone's just like I said, it's all like worried. I mean, I mean, we see the death toll. We, you know, you know, they being all quarantined in New York and stuff like that. We were talking about earlier um, for some reason. I heard like, the, you know, for uh, Fresno was kind of shut down. I don't know if that was true or not. Yeah. So I guess I got some friends in Fresno. I got a lot of friends in Fresno, actually. But they they said that it's getting a little bit like worse than other parts of the valley that, that, that I've heard. So they're saying that like people are getting tickets for driving around sometimes. Um, I don't want to say it's completely like martial law where, you know, you can't even leave your house, but they're definitely enforcing some of the uh, regulations up there a little bit more. But I, I was saying earlier, too, I think it's because they have a they have more homeless people there than other places in like the state which sounds funny because there's homeless people all over California. But oh, yeah. Um, I, yeah, I think that that's probably one of the main uh, catalysts to that whole situation is, again, being a little bit more uh, strict with their lockdown. Yeah, yeah, because um, I know when I was on, uh, I was sick for two weeks and I got better because I was worried because my when I was sick, uh, the doctor said like, hey, uh, you got to stay out, stay out for two weeks. And when I let my job know about it, um, they said like they might. It wasn't my job. It was corporate. I called like, hey, do you have the coronavirus? Is this? Is no? I just I was sick with the cold, and uh, when I wanted to make sure, uh, the, at the time, you know, I didn't know about this coronavirus. It was very expensive, but they wanted to know the symptoms and this or whatsoever. So I remember I was sick for two, like almost two weeks, and I was like, I got over it. So, you know, hopefully, thank God, it was just a cold or a fever just for like a couple of days. But I got way better. But Ever since then, uh, when I get, went back to work, they gave me a piece of paper to say, if you get pulled over by a cop or this or whatsoever, you show them this paper, let them know, like, hey, I work at a grocery store. I'm working at this time, you know, you know, stuff like that. So they won't send me to jail or give me a ticket or anything like that. Yeah. But you know, it's funny that you that you say that. So like my mom, dude, in January, my mom and my brother got terribly sick, like late January. Oh and God. they were like. Dude, my mom, like overnight, got like 104 fever. And she had, she literally, my mom never go to the doctor unless she's like bad. She took herself to urgent care and was like, you know, I got this, I got that. And her fever was so high, but they couldn't tell what was wrong with her. So they gave her all these medications and sent her back. So I think that her and my brother pop, like possibly got it back then. And maybe they just were lucky enough to not be all messed up from it. Yeah. But um, yeah, like, I I don't know. Like, it's, it's weird. Like, I, I'm lucky that the part of the valley that I'm from it's like, obviously, like if you go in California, like you have a big, it's, it's a melting pot of everybody. Everybody's like different. It's very diverse, but the County that I live in, it's, it's very conservative in the sense of like, they don't want the government having telling them what to do. They don't want the government in their pockets. They, you know, just they're, they're very like limited government. So when like the state governor uh, Newsom was calling for the lockdown everywhere here, we're locked down, but they're not giving us tickets driving around. The police is already saying they're not going to enforce all those, uh, rules they don't want to make us feel like we're basically living in like martial law so it's it that's the one cool thing about living over here is that like the police are kind of like we don't want the government coming in here and telling us to not leave our homes either so they're kind of like on our side a little bit 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like that because the governor, I mean, he's, I'm, fuck, I would hate to be the governor making all these decisions because, man, it's like if the governor says, hey, you know what, we're going to be on lockdown for another couple months, it's going to really mess up the economy really bad in California because, I mean, I have a lot of friends who own businesses over here and they had to close down, not close down temporary. I mean, I mean, Devin, close down permanently, you know, it's sad. Yeah, it, dude, it's crazy. So I work a majority of the time up in like the Bay Area. So I go to like the East Bay, like in Oakland, San Francisco, Silicon Valley. My yeah. dad's in Silicon Valley, like all like all throughout the week. And it is the weirdest thing that right before I left for lockdown to see Apple, like, for example, like the Apple cam- uh, campuses in San Jose or Santa Clara, whatever, mm-hmm. closed down. Nobody's there. Like, it's, it's the weirdest thing in the world, like a, a business that big, one of the campuses, and you're not seeing anyone walk around at Apple. And that's wow. like huge company that's what about google and all that and facebook oh they were to be honest like a lot of people in california kind of um they uh, like attribute the lockdown to them whether you think it's a positive or negative they attributed them because they were already saying like departments slowly phasing them out and being like hey you guys are working from home don't come in don't come in before the governor even called for it so like i think a lot of people here saw it because there was cases in santa clara county in the bay area popping up and people were freaking out. And then, I don't know, maybe maybe some of the upper management of those companies that are, you know, billionaires, they kind of know what's going on a little bit, maybe more than us. So they were calling calling the shots even before the governor sometimes and sending people out. So I don't I don't know. Not to get too crazy into it, but yeah, but they, they've been sending people home for a little while. I get now. it. I, yeah, I get it because you have a lot of people coming from China, going to the, the airports in San Francisco and all that shit. So I get it. It's going to spread out in the area. And that's where it's going to spread out to the Central Valley and all uh, spread out all over California. Yeah, it's the the place that my lady lives in. So she lives in this place called Tracy, and that's like it's called San Joaquin Valley, and it's literally right over the Altamont, the bridge across from like where the Bay Area starts. So yeah, she's yeah, like yeah, last city. Yeah, so everyone in that county, that county has like I don't know how many hundreds of infected people, and already like dozens of deaths apparently, and it's because people come from there to the Bay Area. So that's where all the Bay Area people live because it's cheaper, and they just commute to work. So, like, there's hella people sick right there. And we're just hoping it doesn't come south to Modesto and Turlock and Merced and whatnot. Because it could get and, You know, uh, to be honest, I'll give a shout out. MC Hammer, if you're over there in Tracy, man. So I, hope, <laughs> I, hope you're, I hope you're better, man. No, I see your house, bro. MC Hammer, I hope you're doing good. We don't want MC Hammer to pass away. Fuck that shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, uh, no, I bet it. But, um, I, you know, I feel kind of worried because I haven't been to Modesto for a long You know what? The last time I seen you guys, that was like what a couple of years ago, huh? Yeah, that we went out two years. Yeah, yeah, I remember at the time, and I haven't visited my mom. I haven't visited a lot of the family members, and I, I always, I wanted to make a drive, you know. But when this shit happened, it's like I can't really do anything until this thing is all like done. But we, like I said, they were saying that people who had the coronavirus got better, then all of a sudden they got the coronavirus again. Yeah, that's what it's looking like. It's look, which is weird, right? Because I, I have no idea how that works. But it look, it looks like it kind of has like a, a wave effect on it or something. So maybe some of the symptoms that come in the middle of it aren't that um aren't that apparent. And then when you think that you're good, it's laying dormant or something, and then it just pops back up and you're completely tore up again. You know, you know what else I heard is that the people that were exposed to it longer ended up getting more sick. And I don't know if there's any validity behind that. Maybe that's just something somebody was saying, but I've been hearing that also. 
I've been also hearing like it depends like uh, people's blood types. I don't know if you're a blood type A or B or whatever, but they say, you know, a lot of people are dying maybe because of the immune system or their blood type and the ones who have a stronger blood type, but those are the ones who maybe might get sick and have a stronger immune system and kind of just, you know, be sick for a weekend and just whatever, just get better. Yeah, I've been hearing that too. I, 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 man, there's almost so much information that I, I just get lost in like the rabbit hole of it because, you know what I mean? I start realize I start realizing like, man, I know a lot about physiology. I know a lot about um, just the endocrine system in general. And then I'm like, man, but I'm still not a doctor. It's so crazy the amount of like information that I've been trying to research due to this like virus. And then you just get lost. And you're like, man, there's just like, it's, it makes you realize how much we really don't know because of the doctors can't get a grasp on this. And you're seeing how much documentation of everything is out there you're like man what's really going to happen you know yeah i've been hearing about some people some doctors saying like they they're using this kind of like Ebola like vaccine or something and it's been experimenting it's been working but who knows yeah i'm i'm hoping honestly what i'm hoping for is that we we kind of get something to combat it even if it's not a vaccine something that'll help people recover from it a little bit quicker Cause I don't know if we're ever going to, I don't know if we're going to see a vaccine in the next 12 to 18 months. I hope that yeah. we do, but a successful one that with, a, with a high rate, I don't, I don't know. So I, I'm hoping that something comes out that will help combat it in the sense of like, if we get sick, it's not that big of a deal. We could all just yeah. take this medication and it'll live through it like a regular flu. Yeah. Uh, I didn't tell you about this. I do want to check the little creepy. I don't know if it's creepy or conspiracy, but I know I post a picture up on my podcast page and all of a sudden, Instagram deleted it. Uh, they said, if you put this or put whatever political stuff on this again, we will delete your podcast page. Every time there's a, there's a like a presidential election, we always get a new virus that year on president on the presidential election year. Oh, yeah, dude. There, I, so this is the one thing I love the Internet, but I love the Internet. I still love it today. I shouldn't say that before, but. I loved the internet at its peak, which I think was like 2009 like and 10 to about 2013, 14. Yeah, After yeah. that, it started getting too regulated. So like now it doesn't matter if you're on YouTube, Twitter, it's like all these companies, they all have some type of, I don't, even if it's not an agenda, they have some political perspective and they let that bias get into like their, the, the, get into the, the function of them managing these, these, these platforms. So like YouTube, it doesn't matter if you, it doesn't matter what you say. If you're like a, a conservative or a right wing or Republican, which I don't care what anyone is, what anyone mm -hmm. identifies with. But if you are like not Democrat, basically, they push your videos down in the rankings and they'll demonetize you. That's happened to a bunch of big right wing conservative creators. Same thing with Twitter. Yeah. Same thing with Instagram, obviously. I'm not saying that's what you were posting, but if it doesn't fall in line with their agenda and what they what they, what they like, they'll delete it. Yeah, we. Uh, I saw because... Uh, there was an episode I saw with Joe Rogan when he had the CEO of uh, Twitter and a lady on. Then they were talking about why uh, they use a three strikes, uh, then you're out. Uh, what happened with uh, they made a example out of Alex Jones. But there is also a lot of people who, you know, say a lot of stuff or this political stuff. But the only thing is, I'm tripping now. Wait, you're they're deleting the account. You're you can't go on it. But why do you put pornos or, or sex videos or this, whatever? on Twitter and you don't ban that out. Dude. Yeah. I, I get so frustrated over this because like most people my age, like I'm not saying I'm like, I don't care about nothing. You know what I mean? I'm not saying that I'm just like completely desensitized to everything, but I, I'm pretty desensitized from being on the internet for a long time. 
and like I can't stand that the how biased it is like depending on like who what type what, I can't stand how much bias there is that that is based off your gender your sexual orientation your ethnicity your your political views it's like the people that run these companies if you don't fall in line from from with their ideals you have the potential to be either suppressed or deleted or just you you're not going to be able to make you could possibly not even be able to make a living just based off of you know you being you which i hate that i just i want the internet to be like i don't care if you want to use racial slurs i don't care if you want to use homosexual slurs i don't want to i don't care if you want to make fun of the fact that i'm mexican like i don't care if you want to make fun of someone because they're gay if you want to make fun of someone because they're a girl like whatever, I don't care who you are and, and what you want to say. Like, I just want everyone to be able to say everything because like at the same time, like if you, let's say you want to combat people who like, you're like, oh, you know, we don't want racist people on Twitter because they're, because they're negative. Well, like my perspective is like, well, I want to know who's a racist. You know what I mean? Like if I'm a black dude and you have some guy dropping the, the N word with a hard R, it's like, I don't want you to block his Twitter I want to know exactly who that guy is. I'm like, okay, I don't want to associate with that, with that dude. You know what I mean? Like you got to let everyone be. So we know who, who's a, you know, a piece of crap and who, who's one of us and this and oh, that. Yeah. Oh yeah. I totally get it. You know, like when there's like, I get so much flag from like on my podcast, I talked about this on an earlier episode where I've been like my, my thing, I cannot, I don't see myself controversial. Like you see my podcast page when I put like funny memes or video of the day, whatever. There's so many people that DM me say, Hey man, I don't like the video and stuff. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to flag it. Like why? It's not controversial. It's a picture of the day. I'm not the one putting it out. Be, you know, is this like whatever? I mean, there's other Instagrammers or Twitter or Facebook who has like a hundred times worse page and very, radical or racial or this or you know talk about religion i'm not even like that i'm just trying to make people's day to have a you know for example let's say you're having a bad day dev it's like man i'm having a bad day let me go to my cousin's page like oh my god that video make my day that made your day it made your day for for maybe half of the day instead of you being all mad at the world at least at least i brought a smile on your face Oh, dude, hundred percent. I one hundred percent agree. And and you know, it's funny your your account specifically. I don't even think it's remotely controversial. Like, I don't even think you put anything on it that's like terrible at all. I think some of your some of the videos, at most, at most, slightly. It's 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 it'd be like telling a slightly dirty joke at the most. Hmm. Hmm. I know a lot of people think like, why do you post things or whatever. Is this that, you know, when I have a lot of friends who are comedians and this and I hang around with them, you know, you're going to know. But, you know, like, for example, when um, I wouldn't go this far, like when Ari Shafir made a joke on Twitter about, hey, man, it was kind of good thing Kobe died. Like that's shit like that. I wouldn't go. I wouldn't do. I wouldn't do shit like that. That's a little bit too far. But I think in a way with a lot of people these days are way too fucking sensitive, too sensitive. Oh, 100 percent, dude. I, I hate the idea of people thinking that they can protect people from themselves too. Like, like with that stuff that that guy said, the Ari, that guy said, I don't agree with it. I wouldn't say that, but I think he should have the right to say that. And you should have the right, the pe- people should have the right to take the repercussions and consequences of what they say. You need to give people that, that opportunity because number one, people won't ever learn. Like that guy thinks he could say stuff like that. Well, he got feedback from it. Now he might be thinking like, oh, okay, I'm probably going to still say stuff like this, but maybe I shouldn't take it that far. You know what I mean? Like, 
there, there's no, you won't learn anything unless you give people these types of opportunities. And if you try to suppress all of it, I'm, I'm like one of those people that it doesn't like, if you tell me not to say something, the problem isn't that I'm saying it. The problem is that I'm thinking it right. Like, so if I'm like, like, it's like, if you have some random dude, not me, some random dude, and he wants to murder somebody and he keeps saying, man, I want to kill that guy. You telling him, Hey, don't say that doesn't fix the problem. The problem is he mm-hmm. wants to kill that guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah, it's like, yeah. with the Ari situation, the problem is that guy thinks a certain way. It's not the problem that he's saying it. So let him go out there, have that stage, get the feedback from everybody. And hopefully it changes them a little bit. Yeah, man. I just like, to me, it's like everyone, you know, I get so many DMs every day because, and they'll be like, you know, Steven, you know, I, I like you, but I just don't like your podcast page or this, whatever. It's like, okay. Then, or sometimes people might say like, Hey, can you like change your podcast? I like how you are. Can you change this or kind of tone it down? I'm like, motherfucker, I, I can't fucking change. You just like, hell no. If you don't like me for who I am, then fine, whatever. But you know what? We can still be cool. But you know, like I said, I always tell everyone, if whatever you see on my podcast page is my podcast page, I'm not going to change any, anything for anyone. It's like, if you can't, if you don't like me, then can find whatever, but you know, don't go by, Oh, this is how mega man is by his pictures and memes. go by what, who I bring on the podcast to have their stories told, you know? Oh, hundred percent. You, you know, it's funny. I, I, see, I don't get that as much anymore. I used to get that a lot when I was live streaming on Facebook and stuff like that, but I, I did get that at one point. And in my head, I was just thinking, it's like, man, if you want to change me like that, give me some money, buy some merch, do something. You know what I mean? Like, don't just come mm, in here thinking mm. you like to say whatever you want like that. and think I'm going to do it just because you're one person out of like, however many people are watching or listening, like, give me some money then or something like that. Or, you know, add, add some money on my Patreon exactly exactly hey i was gonna ask you ever since this coronavirus happened and this has been happening to me i just a lot of stuff's been happening this past last week and this week ever since this epidemic of this coronavirus you ever notice like people's true colors come out where let's say for example let's say you had a friend like oh he's a hella cool friend he's my best friend then when when situations happen like this you you kind of look at him like, man, I can't believe you're like that. Like, I, I wouldn't want you in my foxhole. I can't see you as that person ever again where people's true colors come out and they turn and they become very evil. So I've seen this in a lot of situations for me. I've seen this. I'll say this. I've seen this on the Internet right now when I'm reading through threads and I get bored on Facebook and watch and listen to people's arguments and some of the stuff they're saying to each other. Me yeah. personally, I haven't. Luckily, I have not experienced that yet. If stuff gets crazier and like, you know, people got to band together and whatnot in in some crazy situations, maybe I'll experience it then. But I have seen it like firsthand on the Internet right now, especially with the political stuff happening and people just like arguing over something as stupid as like, oh, I I didn't vote for Trump, but I agree with what he's doing here. Like I I got a friend that I just read on, on Facebook. I was reading his thread and he said something along the lines of like, I didn't vote for Trump, but like I agree with I think he's handling the situation well. I don't, I don't have an opinion on that. Right. But I was reading, that's what he said. And people just went on there and bashed him just because they like, they hate Trump and they're this, that. And I, I don't know if that's showing unloyalty or not, but in my head, I'm like, why would you even care? Like this, like th- th- this dude's like, a, like, I don't know, like you're mad at him because he wants the, tr- the president to be doing a good job. Like, I just don't understand it. How could you be so passionate about that to be like, Oh, you're a piece of shit and all this stuff. See, that's the thing. Like you have a problem, like, you know, now let's get, let's just jump into it with uh, with that because, you know, people's true colors and all that stuff where, you know, 
when once this coronavirus is gonna stop and you see them and what happens if that person says, Hey, Mega Man, hey Devin, no hard feelings, like it's not gonna be the same anymore. Like I don't we're not friends, we're not cool, you know. Like I just in a way it's like when you showed your true colors when shit hits the fan or you know people crack and can't deal with pressure then people get selfish and they don't have hearts they don't have a care and you know like when for example what happens if a person said to you hey you know what if you do anything i'll be there for you but when that shit really does happen when you actually want to be hey say hey remember that time you said you're going to be there or can you help me oh i don't know what you're talking about nah you're on your own like why would people say shit like that to make themselves look good but when shit really hits the fan they're they're ne'er they're they're nowhere to be found. Yeah, I, I I think that a lot of people like to talk that talk, but when it comes down to it, obviously, like for example, like one ethic, like loyalty, right? Like that's that's a big mm-hmm. deal. Um, mm-hmm. they don't, it just doesn't come through. And you know, and I don't want to sound all crazy when I say this, but it's the truth. I, I want to say different. I think different cultures take that ethic a, a, a little bit more serious compared to other ones. Or I shouldn't say cultures as far as ethnicity, but I mean, like for example, like the type of family you came from or the friends that you grew up around or like the situations that you've been in throughout your life, if you didn't have like some type of loyalty crammed down your throat from somewhere else, you're not like, like you're, you're just not gonna, you're not gonna understand it. Like I have, I have people that I know that I'll, I'll bring up like loyalty sometimes and like a fit, like for example, something stupid, like an Instagram thing, like a, like story. I'll just ask people about like ethics or something like loyalty or like, give me some like totem pole and morals for you or something like that. Right. And people will think it's corny because I put so much emphasis on something like loyalty. And I'm like, why do you think that that's corny? I feel like that's just like something that should be a part of your character. And and I'm not saying that they're unloyal people, but some people just don't look at it like that. And I don't understand that worldview, but I completely, I, I feel you with what you're saying, where if someone wasn't there for me during some type of situation, any type of situation that was kind of severe, I'd be like, man, whatever, I don't need to be with you anymore, you know? Yeah, because I've been getting a lot. I won't mention names in our family, like on my mom's side or our, 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 you know, our, our dad's side and everything. I had people reach me out in the woodwork saying like, hey, I lost my job. You think you can help me out? Send me $10 or this or, or whatever. It's like even the ones who think like, man, why is this person texting me or calling me, man? I don't even like this person or whatever. And, you know, sometimes in a way you have to put shit aside and, you have to put your pride and stubborn and whatever away and your grudge and try to be there. You know, if you get love, you get love. If you don't, but you know, you got to have a heart where, you know, whatever comes to little money you have or like, Hey, you know what? I got two rolls of toilet paper or Lysol or Hey, I have an extra 24 pack of water. I have a couple of food cans or this or whatsoever cleaning wipes. You just got to do what you got to do to help out. And that's where I have to do to, you know, I do have a heart, but when, you know, what they see a lot of people, it's like, man, dude, it's like a lot of people these days are very selfish. Oh, yeah. People people don't care about their, their like, actual true legacy, which sounds dumb. And I'm not trying to get super deep into that. But, I mean, like, it's true. Like, people care more about what, like, like they don't really care about their legacy, right? So, like, when everything is going good, they want to put everything cool on IG. They want to, you know, look good when they go out to the bar, or the clubs in front of people who, and like, it comes down to it really, like they need help or if they have the opportunity to help others, their character shows and they're not really like willing to be that, that person that they put the facade on of, uh, you know, that they normally are. Yeah, man, I get it. Well, I know once this coronavirus is done, what are you going to do once this coronavirus is done? What are you going to do when you go party? 
man, I'm going to be honest. The first thing I want to do is I want to get my ass to the gym and do some jujitsu. I'm not going to lie. That's all I've been thinking about, man. I'm going crazy. I know. Uh, hey, are, how's that been going? Like, uh, are you still doing that? Remember that you, you were doing that podcast a while back? Yeah, I was. So I was on a podcast. Uh, we, don't, we don't record anymore. It's called the Big Jiu-Jitsu Podcast. This is like 2016, 2017. And it was, we were getting a lot of traction. We had, we had a good following, actually. And um, it was just hard timing because I was I was getting a lot of work and I was building my audience a lot at that time. And then uh, my buddy Rob Austin, he was he was in the military at the time, and he uh, dude he was in Germany. So we were waking up random times, recording like two episodes a night, trying to do them for the month and whatnot. And it was good. I appreciate it was that. really good. I appreciate that. We just we we it was hard to stick it out. And he's married too, and he you know he was just really busy with work, and then I I was traveling a lot and just. It was hard to keep up with that, but honestly, we don't have excuses. That was just us being not committing to it, to be honest. Yeah, man. Because when when I was working at my other store, I was listening overnight and I was tagging whatever, and I was listening to it. It's like, man, this is really deep. And and every time you would go on, you get to those deep conversations of jujitsu. And I remember at the time, I wanted to start doing uh, over here. They have Brazilian top team over here in Long Beach, and I wanted to do it. But I was like, damn, dude, it's like I just don't have time, but Man, but man, to me, when I heard you on the podcast, I was like, dude, Devin, I hope you get a podcast, man. I, I have, you know, I have so much content I want to make. I, I'm going to do a podcast soon. I, I mean, I, I've even recorded episodes. I just, I'm so caught up in getting my videos out, like on, on YouTube and different places that like, I'm just like, I need to put time aside for that, especially right now, because I'm, I'm locked up all day. I have no excuse, but it'd be hard for me realistically to be as consistent as you are. But at some point, uh, I am definitely going to. You know what? For me, when you say consistent, um, uh, a couple months back, I in one month alone, I did about 26 episodes, month and a half. I did 26 episodes. And, um, you know, I just had because at the time uh, when my ex had our son, I wanted to use, uh, put it so much do all these on um, bang them all out because I wanted to take time off and spend time with our son for baby bonding time, but kind of things fell through the relationship. But to me, uh, once I'm in a role, cousin, like I want to do an episode, man, I'm just like all in, I'm in a zone. And, uh, you know, that's, this is one of the things like, this is where we're going to get into later what, with YouTube and all, but you have to stay consistent because when people who start podcasts, um, you have to be all in and that's where a lot of dedication will come because the reason why I've been doing so much because it's all about the reps like I could be doing my podcast but I want to do other people's podcast if it's small big time live here whatever because you want to know what you're getting yourself into and with any certain situations uh, in the podcast and that's what I've been doing and I'm so used to doing podcasts this is like cakewalk and the thing that's been kind of hurting me lately on my social media is like, because people have been telling me, when are you going to start a, a YouTube channel? Yeah, dude. So, I mean, like, I don't want me to give you advice on, on, on while we're recording right now, but it's like, I, I, I feel like that'd be something to kind of go. Cause maybe people will get some like uh, tips from this. If they're, if you're out there listening and you want to start your own YouTube channel or you're trying to figure out how you can transition from a podcast to a YouTube channel. I have a YouTube channel. I don't have like a bunch of subscribers, everybody, but I, I got a good amount and I, I get some traffic. I make some money off it and whatnot, but um, like it's, it's definitely growing. It's growing. I'm getting like millions of views every month. So it's, it's getting good. <laughs> but, um, but what I would say, Steven, is that like, dude, like if you just set down a camera 
and you record yourself while doing the podcast, those are your videos right there. Boom. And then like you could do something like like just like repurposing the content the way Joe Rogan does, where he has like a second channel that's called like what JRE Clips. And he just takes the highlights from yeah, the podcast and yeah. throws them up there. And it, it's amazing. I watch those things all the time. Me too. Yeah, dude. Like it's a- you, you, you should definitely just transition to that because it's not going to be hard. And it's like you're already recording anyway. All you're, down, all you're doing is setting down a camera and then uploading it to YouTube. I guess in a way with like, like I know, like I knew you do it by yourself, but with me, I do podcasts by myself where a lot of these podcasters, like they have teams, they have people doing this and that. To me, I like to do stuff by my, um, by myself. The reason why I say that, Devin, is that I want to know what's behind the scenes. I want to, what I want to be controlled, what's being sent out or this and editing. I want to do all that stuff. So when there's a situation, I already know what to do or whatever. And also in a way, people are going to be like, oh, shit, you know, I don't know how to edit. I don't know how to do this. Oh, hey, you know, Mega Man knows how to do it and stuff. That could be a little side money. But in a way, like I already have ideas of how I want the podcast to be where, you know, you do a little two or two or three minutes like clips like how Joe Rogan does well with the podcast you know you're doing behind the scenes where you beat up with your guests or after or you know do little stories or you know like IGTV where you just t- you do like little vlogs here for the podcast or maybe you know because you don't want, you want people to know who is Megan Man all about you know what's who is he when he's not doing the podcast you know oh uh, dude 100 percent. that's so I'm on I dude I'm in the same exact boat because that's 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 the one thing I love about um, just the internet in general and these and the plot these platforms is number one I love creating content like on my own no matter it's like one of my favorite things to do just making something right and like throwing it out there for people the goal obviously yeah. would be like at one point I'm at one day I'm gonna have my own team I'm gonna have my channels built up and they're gonna produce all this stuff for me but but forever I will always have my own videos and my own content that I will produce even if at some point it only goes once every other week or once a month or once a week for the rest of my life, I will always produce my own, some type of my own content, even if I'm building up my own channel and having a whole team around me. You know what I mean? Like that's just, it's the one thing I love. I feel like that's the grassroots of it. And like, if you get away from that, you're going to lose everything and you're going to turn into like a crappy, a crappy producer. Even if you have the best people around you that are making like dope videos and producing your podcast in some crazy way and the best graphic designers giving you the best cover art. Like if you don't continue to like hone that craft in where like for you, even if you had a bunch of people working on your podcast, I think it's cool to record your own podcast sometimes, your own videos and, and keep you like in that groove, like where you're still kind of hungry, where you're like, you're still getting your hands dirty and make you remember where you came from type of thing. Oh, exactly. You know, well, like I already had, I already have ideas where I have a person that, um, from the Australia, he's, he's making more logos of the podcast and another person is, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to be making like merch and all that Patreon, um, you know, like social media, like, you know, like I say, YouTube channel, Facebook, Twitter, Periscope. I want to do all that. But I hope one, I hope there is something where, because, you know, the, what's, 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 my, what's really hard, Devin, is that when you do a podcast, a lot of people say, oh, podcast is easy, but they don't know what goes behind, what goes on behind the scenes of doing a podcast, like the traveling, you know, the, the questions, you know, the social media, the promoting, you know, all that stuff that goes into play. And that's where to me, where I'm trying to manage my time wisely, where, you know, I want to spend more time with the family, but know how to kind of juggle with work 
family and podcasts, you know? Oh, dude, I 100% know how that is. Like people only see, they only see the product of the tail end of execution. So it's like, it's like in jujitsu where a fight, like people, when they watch a fight, they only see the knockout. They only see like an arm bar, but they don't see the 10 minutes that led up to that of like incremental damage, mm-hmm. all, all mm-hmm. the movements and all the controlling of distance and everything or with the podcast. They don't see all the stuff that leads up to you pressing that button and talking. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's uh that they don't see all that stuff. Like how to get but like you know, like Ricks and Gracie, hey, I'm gonna beat you in twelve move twelve moves and you don't even see it. Hundred percent. It's all the it's it's the gray area or invisible stuff that uh that 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 leads up to you having that that final product that people, unless they're a practitioner of whatever space that they're in, they they have no idea what's going on. Oh yeah, like my boy, I've been. I mean, you know, uh, yesterday I've been watching a lot of his videos. Uh, Marcelo Garcia's. Oh, dude, he's 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 the goat, man. That guy is the the greatest. It's funny that you say Hickson too, because Hickson is like the goat in like another sense, right? So Hickson to me, and not even my Bruce Lee, he is he is like the true Bruce Lee. Like I'm not 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 down talking Bruce Lee, but Hickson is like everyone who they think Bruce Lee is that is who Hickson is that some guy that was just like a true fighter that knew different martial arts and really like embraced some like crazy warrior spirit mentality. That's who Hickson is. And then Marcelo's like the father of the new school where he was like that transitionary period between, you know, when Hickson was young all the way to when I first started doing jujitsu, which is kind of like the modern age of it. Like Marcelo's the guy that, that transitioned those two eras together. And he's, man he's the greatest of all time there's no there will never ever be anyone that is like marcel that guy's like the michael jordan of jiu-jitsu hell yeah oh yeah he he's he's the best did you ever hear a urban legend about there was a rumor back in the day when pride fc that fader was was wanted to uh was going to fight ricks and gracie see i didn't hear that but it doesn't surprise me it doesn't surprise me because they love they love hickson and, and the gracies in japan and then obviously fedor is like one of the biggest stars of Japan of all time, if not probably the biggest, you know what I mean? Like, but the, yeah, but the only thing is when the, the Yakuza's at the time who owned the pride FC back then, when Fader wanted to fight Rickston, it would be the biggest match of ever. Cause you know, Rickston had the undefeated record. They offered, I think it was 10 to $15 million to Rickston Gracie. And he turned it down. He said, he said to them, this is not enough. Yeah, it's probably not. <laughs> he was probably thinking like, in my head, I 100% believe that Hickson in his mind believed that he could beat Fedor. But I think he was like realistic in the sense of like, he goes into every fight, like knowing the consequences of it. So it's like Hickson's one of that. Fedor is one of those fights where it's like, my opinion, I love Hickson. I think Fedor would have beat the crap out of him. But that being said, that being said, Hickson has has a way to win I mean, and it wouldn't have been impossible but I think he knew that win or lose best case scenario is that he's going to get the crap beaten out of him at the very best you know worst case scenario is that he gets stomped out and destroyed like and sent to the hospital and and stuff but he was going to take damage either way and I think that that's why he probably wanted that extra money because man that's that's a lot of toll that that's a lot of potential toll yeah. on your body I would have been cool with that but to be honestly this is my opinion I would have been more like more Google Gaga if it was Ricks and Gracie versus Sakurama. Yeah, see that that would have made more sense if if their weights would have been even remotely closer, and you had other legends there that were like um, 
just that would have been just as big of a fight. You got to figure Hickson versus anybody was was a big fight. But I think that they probably obviously just wanted Fedor because at the time he was probably like the biggest name over there. It's just that those weight classes, oh, yeah. didn't, they did, definitely did not match up like that. Dummy, Pride FC in those days, those, those were fucking wars. Like, you don't see that no more. And, uh, man, I have to say, like, David against Goliath and this. I mean, seeing Gegard Musasi, who was, like, fucking 18 or 19 at the time, Hector Lombard, I mean, the best of the best came out of fucking Pride FC. Oh, dude, I, the Pride is, like, I wish that we had hybrid rules of Pride boxing and and uh, the ufc rules that are that the athletic commission sanctions in all the states like i wish we had a combination of all these different rule sets because like dude pride especially i wish we fought in the ring still like pride is like amazing that i wish that they did that and then also i wish everyone was on steroids like they were in pride too like dude like i i, I want steroids back in fighting i want uh, the people in different weight classes to fight i want there to be potential for people to fight more than once in one night like that, that to me, that's like, that's fighting, yeah, you know what yes. I mean? The one thing I like more about Pride FC is that the first round was like about what? 10 yeah, minutes? 10 minutes and the, 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 the last round was five. Second round was five. Yeah, I like that stuff. There were so many wars with uh, Brazilian top team, shoot a box, you know, the, uh, the hammerhead, hammers versus like, it was just straight up fucking wars, you know, with anyone. Yeah, and, and you had people that were like, um, it was it was a weird time right so like you had they th- this wasn't it wasn't necessarily the old school mma that was like the the I, I would say the infantile stages of what we would like to think of as like modern style mma where guys were really mixed it up guys were good on the ground guys were good standing up it was like people were good all over the place over there guys were wrestling um you you had to know how to wrestle because you couldn't use the cage to take anyone down because it's ropes right so like, there was oh, a yeah. lot of yeah go ahead go ahead no, there, no, there was a lot of um, a lot of emphasis on having to be like pretty well rounded. Um, like, dude, like I just to me, those guys had the right perspective. You know what I mean? I think the cage takes a lot of that away, too, which it sounds like it's a different conversation. But like the fact that you're in a ring, dude, like you can't really run and you can't like cut. You can't use the, the in the cage right now. You see guys because it's a circle. They can use the cage to their advantage. They can get out and they don't they aren't forced to fight whereas in the ring because there's a chance that you could fall out you can't be lazy there you have to know how to take guys down the middle of the ring which means like you have to commit to your shot like it's there's there's a lot of factors that the cage i don't want to say makes it easier for guys but it definitely helps make it very sporty and less like a fight whereas the the ropes being there it's more it makes it more sloppy but it forces guys to fight yeah, I get it. I get it, man. I miss those. I miss those Pride FC days. But since we're talking about MMA, uh, let's talk about. I mean, UFC two forty nine. I mean, Tony versus Justin Gaethje. Man, what do you think about that? So, fight? For, let me ask you something first. Is this true? Because I don't know if you had read about this. My friend told me this. And I don't know if he was joking, but I've I've seen a few people say it. So I'm going to assume it's the truth. They're fighting at Tachi Palace. I don't even know anything. I don't know. If they're going to fight an island, I don't even know if they're going to fight somewhere in an Indian reservation. But the one thing I found out today is right oh, that is So, let me, okay, so I'll touch on the Tachi Palace thing real quick. The reason I think that's, if that's the truth, dude, this is so dope. It's kind of like it brings MMA back to its grassroots because Tachi, oh, Tachi Palace yes. is the place that like, dude, like when I was in high school, 
the guys that were a little bit older than me, when they were taking fights, if you fought at Tachi Palace, you're like a step away from the big show. You're either going to Strike Force or you're going to the UFC because that's where they were scouting hell of guys. Yeah. Like, Where's this? What I have no is? idea. I have no idea. I just always knew about Tachi Palace when I, when I was younger. I was always hearing Tachi Palace. So so and so's fighting at Tachi Palace. I'm like, oh, dang. They're, they're going to see guys that potentially scout them, you know what I mean? Or guys that might pick them up, or maybe they'll get a shot or a fight or two, you know what I mean? Like, dude, like, whenever anyone's fighting at Tachi Palace, it was always like, dude, like this, this is like a big deal. They could, they could potentially go on and do something from this, you know what I mean? So, like, dude, so dope. This is good. Yeah. I mean, dude, it, when I heard about like UFC 249 and everything, what really, the card is stacked. I mean, it's really stacked. The only thing I have a problem with it. Why, with the people who have lost a lot of jobs and the economy and everything, it should be free. I think, to be honest, I think in a way, I know it's going to be ESPN Plus, whatever, but the pay-per-view, because the economy, the pay-per-view should be about 10 bucks. It can't be fucking 70 Yeah, I'm going to be honest. Like, the only fight, I'm going to watch the whole card, obviously, because I'm going to pay for it. I don't want to pay 70 but I'm being forced to, you know what I mean? That being said, the only fight, I'm really paying 70 bucks to see just Gagey versus versus Ferguson. That's really what I'm paying for. I'm gonna watch the rest of the fights, and I'm gonna be honest. I haven't looked at the rest of the card now, especially since Rose had left. Francis, Francis uh, is fighting that other black dude. Uh, he one who just knocked out fucking um, Oliver. Uh, Oliver. Oh crap! Um, Blades. You don't, is it you Curtis Blades? About... No, the other Ben. He's oh oh my god! It's a Oh man, it's like <laughs> I'm trying to think of. I'm trying to think of it now because, like, dude, I keep up with fighting, but it, man, there's so many fights and there's so many like different contenders now. It's like it's hard for me to keep track of them. It's. I mean, the card is it's really really stacked. But to be honest, for two forty nine, I think in a way you should have had like maybe five championship fights or maybe a, a stack card from top to bottom. But yeah. You know, to be honest, uh, let's start off with Tony and Justin. I know Tony is ready, but man, when Justin said to, he's like, "You know what? I'm gonna die in the ring. You know, I'm gonna go for blood. I have, I have, I have nothing to lose." That makes it more scary for like Tony to be like, "Shit, man, it's gonna be a fucking." War. Oh yeah, dude, hundred percent. Like so, like first of all, a guy with that mentality, especially Gagey, because we've seen that firsthand that he takes that approach and fights. 100% more dangerous than, than Ferguson. Just that alone, make, his mentality makes him more dangerous. It doesn't matter if we're trying to compare skills or whatever. That right there alone makes him dude, exponentially more dangerous than Ferguson because he's willing to go out on his shield. He's got nothing to lose. He didn't plan on fighting. Nobody would expect that. He, he's kind of the underdog because he's coming in late notice. The other side of this is mm-hmm. that I think he's going to, I think he's going to beat the crap out of Ferguson, dude. I, I don't think Ferguson's, Ferguson's good. He's he's an A level fighter because of his mentality and his tenacity and his his grittiness. He's very durable in the fight. He can take damage, keep going forward. But skill wise, Ferguson's not an A level fighter. Ferguson is on on a good night, uh, not even a B plus. He's about a B level fighter as far as skills go. But the characteristics and and his mentality are what carry him. His character is what is is able to carry him in the ring because skill wise, dude, like. If he would have fought Khabib, that would have been a mauling, probably worse than I think anybody Khabib has fought. Against Gagey, though, because the only thing that carries Ferguson in his fights is the fact that he's so tough. Gagey is just as tough, and he wrestles, 
and he's got heavier hands. You know what I mean? And he, he, he's got a gas tank on him. Like it's, I, I just see this matchup with Ferguson skill wise, not being good for Ferguson and the mentality being terrible for Ferguson. <laughs> Cause I think he's going to be fine. So we're going to, yeah, we're going to see, we're going to see what happens when he gets to the later rounds in three, four and five. But this is my thing. I have a problem. So with Tony, this is like, I, I, if I was Tony, I would have been like, I'm going to wait on this card to Khabib. But if you take this fight with Justin and you lose this, then there's no Tony or Khabib. But if you beat Justin in a good first or two rounds, it's going to hype up the fight more with Tony versus Khabib. Oh, 100%. 100%. I, I, I also don't – well, that that's true. It could definitely go that way. I, I, I also don't think that – I'm going to be honest. I don't think that Khabib and Tony ever fight. I've said this on Facebook for the last few years. Like, I, I have a post from it, like, every six months. And people make fun of me because people think I hate on Khabib. But, like, I don't. I just I just never I, – I, I knew stuff would come up. And I didn't know coronavirus was going to happen. But there's always something that comes up. And this fight could have still happened. But, again, Khabib and, – and rightfully so, right? This guy don't want to go out and fight, get sick, and then take it back to his family. He has a, he has a, a baby that was not born that long ago. You know what I mean? So I get it. But I don't think yeah. that they're ever going to fight if, if I'm going to be real about it. I don't think that I never, I never think that fight will happen. I just, man, dude. I mean, because look at, because Tony, before we take a break, uh, uh, Tony, he's, he's reaching that age right now. He's, he's almost, I mean, you got to make this, this fight happen because, I mean, who knows if like this fight's going to happen. I mean, there's two more fights with Khabib. I mean, that's going to be, if he can beat Tony, then the only fight that only makes sense is going to be GSP. Oh yeah. then And that's, and that's if that'll ever happen because GSP is going to be 39 pretty soon, I think. Like, I, I don't think Khabib has that many more fights. I think Khabib has one fight. If he fights, if he were to ever fight Ferguson, he has one fight after that. Maybe, maybe one fight. If not, he retires. Ferguson himself took, he's taken a lot of damage, even though he's on a winning streak. He has, he'll fight Connor. He could fight Gagey. If he fights Khabib, he fights Khabib. And then maybe he fights Connor. There's no one else left for him to fight. Like, these guys are getting a little bit older. They fought everybody. They're taking damage. Khabib is still young, but yeah, I'm in the same boat as you. I don't think these guys have very many fights left. Yeah, man, it's it's gonna be deep. Uh, like I said, I'm kind of debating if I want to f- watch it or not. But I mean, like like I said, the cards really really stack. It's uh, we're gonna see what happens, you know. But there's one thing where a lot of the sports are all like not canceled. But I think in a way, if if the USC card is like they're gonna put it on, I think that the NFL, the um, NBA, baseball, hockey, be like, hey. There, since the UFC is okay, fuck it. Let's reopen everything. But like I said, who knows? Like with this coronavirus, where you know it's good to be good. But man, from this quarantine, man, I mean, fuck, man. I just it's really, really scary with a lot of things. But uh, we're just gonna see what happens with this UFC 249, and we'll just uh, who do you, who do you got? I, I got Justin Gagey by TKO, and um, I'm debating between the second or third round. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say mid middle of the third round. I got man, I I think I got I think I have Justin uh two um third round uh TKO yeah. two, uh, I think that he has those heavy hands. He has yeah. very heavy hands. But the only thing I have a problem with Tony is his elbows. He'll split you up quick. Oh yeah, that that that's definitely always a big X factor for him. If you like like the fact that you can get a cut and have the ref stop it, that's. Definitely uh, a possibility fighting Ferguson. 
we're gonna see what's up. So right now, uh, we're gonna take a break right now, and when we get back, uh, we're gonna go deep talks with uh my cousin Devin. We're gonna talk about a lot of things we didn't talk about um with uh, Bernie dropping out, uh with uh Trump and Biden, and we're gonna we're gonna get to know uh Devin a little bit more, everyone. So we'll be. All right, we're back on. Uh, so Devin, uh, we we gotta talk about what happened today with Bernie Sanders dropping out. So I think that generally, what happens is people have a threshold of the data that they're getting back from uh, from voters and DNC and the stuff. They're, they're running their own metrics on, you know, how much support they got and whatnot, and who uh, who the DNC is going to pick. There, basically, right? And I think that from everything that they got back, Bernie basically saw that he wasn't gaining enough traction or he already for a little while already wasn't gaining enough traction to, uh, to win. And I think today was just, he basically just made it official. But I, I, I think for the last couple of months, Bernie, he kind of knew he wrote it out for a little while. Like uh, he didn't want to give up, but as far as like the data goes, I, Bernie knew for probably about the last couple of months that he wasn't going to be able to win. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people love him and stuff, but a lot of people didn't like him because he felt like a lot of people feel like he was good for the people, want a lot of change, but a lot of people didn't want him because he didn't. He thought a lot of people thought he was going to change America into a socialism. Yeah, so like, like, like if we take the politics out of it, and and you just think of like logically and morally what Bernie's saying, like Bernie wants to take care of people. You know what I mean? He wants people to go to college. He wants people to to have health care like everybody wants that for everybody. Right now, the way that you go about that is is where the politics start coming into it. And you're like, I don't necessarily agree with the same paths. Right. A lot mm-hmm. of stuff Bernie was saying, I don't know if I agreed with the way that the ways that he wanted to get people to these goals. Right. So like we all have the same goal. That's how politics is. Right. We all have the same goal. Everyone just has different ways of getting there and wants to utilize different tools to get there, take different paths to get there. So I didn't agree with all Bernie's paths and all of the ways that he wanted to utilize uh, funds to give people some of these things like healthcare and, um, and and free school and whatnot. So I like Bernie. Bernie as a guy is cool. Um, yeah. yeah, I heard. Uh, yeah, I heard yeah. Oh, what were you saying? Go ahead. As a, as, a, as a president, I don't know if I would vote for him, I'll be honest. Mm. I mean, I heard him on the Joe Rogan's podcast and I was like, he's a nice guy, but in a way it's like... I really don't know. It's like, I just, it, but like I said, I don't know. I mean, a lot of people love them, but some things like when you're talk, when you're thinking about your dreams to have a socialism and this, whatever, and look what happened with the Soviet where it collapsed and this, it's like, you know, it's, I don't know about that. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's like this, right? Like we have forms of socialism that, that we really like right like there's things that we do and that we help people that we're okay with both sides it's kind of like that the, there's there's ways that the government helps people that we're not completely against some people that you know there's always people that hate everything but there we we have forms of socialism right now that people like but majority of this country and the and the re and the, the reason why we we you know this country is i think is the most powerful country in the world or at some point we were we're, we're there we're always there we got a lot of money we're able to do a lot of stuff. We have like the greatest, like some of the greatest minds in ingenuity, even if they came from other places, they're coming to America for a reason. I mean, yes. I'm not going to go across the board and name everything, but 
the reason we're able to do so well here is because people work for themselves and we give them opportunities to just basically do whatever they want. Now, in those situations, if you give people a lot of opportunity, of course, you're not going to like all the decisions they make to get there, right? So if like you have billionaires and you know what goes on behind the scenes, of course, you're not going to like all the ways that they became a billionaire, right? For example, but they're a billionaire because we live in a capitalist society that's heavy. It's on capitalism. It's heavy on capitalism. And if you start trying to feed the mouths of everybody, so to speak, and this is like a really simplified version of, I, I could really get into this, but if you're trying to feed the mouths of everybody at some point, the math will not add up. And, 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 and I think that some of the stuff that Bernie was promising sounded great. And even to me, it sounded great, but I'm not so naive to believe that he could do all that stuff. It's, it's kind of like po- just normal politics, right? You're going to say stuff that gets people excited because you want to sound better than the person that you're running against. But when, you know, it comes time to, to put your feet down and, uh, you know, put your head down and work, none of that stuff's ever going to get done. You know, it's impossible. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, he, to me, he's a nice guy and everything. So when he dropped out, I, I just found out about it like a couple of hours ago. So now it's going to be Trump against Biden. And when I saw a lot of videos and stuff of Biden, it's like, this guy's so old, man. He's like, he doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. Yeah, dude, he's old. He's slimy. I would have rather had Bernie over Biden. Don't get me wrong. I, I, Biden is just like, it's not even so much that I don't trust Biden, which I don't. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, like any politician. But Biden is so far removed. And when you're in politics that long and he's getting older, I'm not saying that Biden's not sharp and he doesn't know what he's talking about, but he is getting up there in age and he's not the same Biden as he was, let's say, 20 years ago. Age has a lot to do with critical thinking skills and that that velocity of thought that comes. You know, I mean, if you can't think as fast on your feet and tripping over your words and it's it's, there's there's a lot of factors why I don't like Biden. But um, I will say this, though, it is going to be more fun seeing Biden and Trump run against just from an entertainment standpoint. Definitely yeah. funnier seeing Biden and Trump go against each other than Bernie and Trump because like Bernie and Trump, like it wouldn't be that fun. People would take it too serious. At least with Biden and Trump, it's going to be hilarious seeing them just talk crap to each other. You know, what's funny about we're talking about Trump and Biden is that there were so many Democrats who were trying to get trying to impeach uh, Trump and everything because sex takes or this or whatever. And I have to be honest, Trump won. You know, you can't do nothing about it. I mean, this guy cannot be touched. I mean, pretty much this guy, he, he rules Twitter. He says what he wants and everything. People love him. People hate him. But I'm going to say this, and I know there's a lot of Mexican, Chicano, and this are going to hear this like, what the fuck, Megan, man? I want to say this. One thing I have to give credit to Trump. He helped the economy. He built the unemployment is way, way down, and there is more and more jobs. Oh, hundred percent, like hundred percent, dude. So, like, so this is one thing about the economy, right? So, I work uh, with a financial firm right now. I do, I do all their markets stuff like that. I trade. I've been trading stocks for a little while. Yeah. Um, I know, I know a little bit. I'm not a finance guy, but I do know a little bit. You know, what I mean, I, I will say this though, as, as far as the economy goes, it, you can't blame this situation on Trump. This what it doesn't matter who the president was. This virus would have impacted and popped this bubble that we've had going for so long. This this would have happened no matter what from the coronavirus as far as the economy goes, right? Mm-hmm. Also, Trump is, is one of the things that was good for like, for example, let's say he's great for the stock market because he's one of those guys that it doesn't matter what's going on. When you tell people that the stock market is doing so, he's like, the economy is doing so well, the, the economy is great, this and that. That gives people a lot of confidence in buy and spending power. 
right? So like if you come in and you're very like nonchalant and you're like seem unsure, nobody's going to have faith in the economy. And when people don't have faith in the economy, they don't want to spend money. When people don't think the country's going down the right path, people start saving money. They pull money out of their bank accounts. The stock market gets kind of uh, maybe a little bit volatile or starts going down a little bit. Trump is one of those guys that says, I don't care. I'm your leader. I'm going to say everything's great no matter what. And that's one of the things that helped our economy so much is because you had someone that was giving the American people confidence to say, hey, yeah, I will spend money. Or yeah, I do want to start my own business. You know what? I am going to invest in the stock market. You know what I mean? And, and, and that spiked everything. And I think that's the right thing to do. I, I didn't vote for Trump. I don't know if I'm going to vote for Trump. And I don't care if people do. Like, I don't think that you're a racist if you vote for Trump. If, if you genuinely like Trump, I don't even care. You know what I mean? But I will say that 100%. He, he helped the economy. I also admire the fact that he says whatever he wants in the most sensitive time in history with the most one of the most important jobs in the world. Do you think do you think if he let's say if Biden did win or let's say if Trump did win, how do you put how do you put Trump go down as one of the, the greatest presidents in history or not really? So, so this is the thing, right? Like, again, I don't want to premise this with it because I'm, I'm not voting for Trump. I'm, I, I didn't vote for Trump, but I will say this. He hasn't done a terrible job, no matter what people say. Now, if you want to judge him based off of his, his, his uh, vernacular and how he speaks, yeah, that's one thing. But if we want to judge him off of execution and what he's done, I don't agree with everything. But I don't think he's done anything to completely fiscally and, and as far as policy i don't think he's done anything to tear the country apart nothing has been bad up until this point and who is predicting a pandemic right and some people could say like oh well he should have been planning for it and it's like well obama didn't plan for a pandemic like maybe he did but i mean i don't think that uh, the coronavirus a year ago was on anyone's to-do list of as far as like trying to get a vaccine you know what i mean like this is just out of nowhere so i i think that as far as we got to rate him as far as history goes He's always going to have a, a, a smudge on him because Democrats um, are, are basically trying to just put him in the shitter and say that he's, he's this and he's a racist and all this stuff. But, but dude, as, as far as being a president executing, if you, if you were to turn the mute but, uh, button on and not hear him talk, he's not doing a terrible job. You know what I mean? But that's also coming from me where it's like I'm not super conservative, but I'm also not super progressive or liberal either i'm kind of like right it, it just has to make sense to me depending on on what we're talking about you know so yeah i don't hate trump i don't hate trump and i don't think he's doing a terrible job I, when he does something good i like him and when, and when he does something stupid that i don't agree with or even if it's not stupid i just don't agree with him of course i'm going to be like oh that was that was an idiotic move you know what i mean but he's not as bad as what everyone's saying and i think that if he wasn't talking the way he was and he had a different name other than donald trump and he spoke a little bit different. I think people would just think of him as another run-of-the-mill Republican president. I feel like when see, like well, ever since Trump's been in office for four years and stuff, you know, he holds his own. He can back his shit up. You know, he, he was in talks with North Korea and this, whatever, with China. He likes to point the fingers, like, yeah, this is what happens and stuff. I mean, the, you never know what you're gonna get from Trump, but to me. You know, we've seen all the greatest presidents like JFK, Roosevelt, you know, Hoover, Ronald Reagan, you know, Bush, whatever. I think to me, I would probably think about who he can think of as who as a president is like, well, fucking Trump. I mean, I, I mean, yesterday I was watching Home Alone 2 and, Ho and Macaulay Culkin was going to the hotel. It's like, hey, do you know where this so-and-so? And here comes Donald Trump. Like, yeah, this one door will go right there and straight to the left. <laughs> I, I will 100% say that Trump, 
no matter what. Anyway, that guy is, and I don't mean this in a positive or negative way. I mean this in a literal way. Even though he's, we've all, we've always seen him his whole career in business suits and in, in the in the public eye and having to do a business. Now as our president, this guy is a one hundred percent gangster. Like yeah. he's like a legit gangster negotiator, like like alpha male. You know what I mean? Like this this guy, he is who he is. He, this guy's not putting on an act at all. You know what I mean? So I don't know. I I don't think he's I don't think he's a terrible president. I don't think he'll go down as people that are looking at it logically and realistically. I don't think he's going to go down as one of the worst presidents. And I'm going to be real about this. I think he's going to win. I think a lot of people feel the same way, even on both sides. They they know they they have a feeling he's going to win. If we have to predict, right? But I think that he's going to be the one that turns us around. To be honest, like this is a hard situation to be in. This is going to be hard for anyone to work out. I would guarantee Biden would not would not work this out. It would be a lot slower of a process. Like whether Biden was in office or not, if we didn't have any president, I think it would work at the same, we would work ourselves out of the situation as a country at the same rate as if Biden was in office. With Trump in office, at least this guy's willing to try stuff out. He's willing to say, well, let's do this. Let's do that. He's like, well, we're already in a shit situation anyway. Let's just start throwing stuff out that we need, we need to make something happen, you know? You got a point there because, you know, if he does get a second term, and we do get out of this coronavirus and the economy is an all-time high, everything's good. I mean, boom, it's like we're back to normal. We're back to like the, the look, you know, the unemployment is, is on an all-time low. There's a whole bunch of jobs. We're bringing all the companies back that were from, up, um, you know, foreign overseas to America to bring more jobs back and everything. You know, he would be like, you know, let's just be, let's be honest. I mean, the worstest president we ever had was was George Bush with the whole shit with the Iraq war and this. He didn't give a fuck. So he's doing something right. But like I said, you know, for me having a podcast, me talking about what the fuck, Megan, man, are you saying good things about Trump? Are you a Trump supporter? No, I'm just saying, you know, from my point of view, you know, th- who else is going to run this country from this situation with the coronavirus? Like you were saying about Biden. He's not going to fucking do this. He's going to make things worse. This is our president. We have to support it. No matter if we like him or not, we have, he's our president, you know? My, uh, my prediction is, uh, and, and this has personality aside, I'm not saying that people change people's minds about him as far as switching parties, but not in 2021, but I think from the work he does in 2021 to early to mid 2022, I think it will be the greatest comeback story in like the history of like anything. It'll be like, whether it's sports, whether it's politics, whether it is just, I think that by 2022, both sides, well, people are going to love him, but also people that, that hate his, his personality and the way he speaks and, and the fact that he is just himself all the time, they might still feel that way about him, but as a president and his decision-making, there's going to be things that are going to be undeniable that they're going to be like, okay, this guy, this guy made some things happen. I wouldn't vote for him again, obviously, because you can't, it's impossible. But if, you know, you were able to run for president for a third term, which you won't be able to, but if I think there's people that would be like, you know, what, I would vote for Donald Trump this time or, or, you know, he's not as bad as we thought he would be. He, he did help us out. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, man. <laughs> we could talk about Trump all day with a situation with Biden, but you know what? Like I said, if he's going to help out the country, Getting out of this coronavirus, all good, and we're just gonna see what happens with the presidential race with uh, Biden and Trump. We're gonna see what's up, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll get we'll get into politics some other time. But uh, 
first things first, like, you know, I reason why I want to get you on because, you know, you've been doing so much. Knowing the fact you're my cousin, we're family and stuff, we're all love. But a lot of the podcast listeners, they're going to be like, man, who is Devin Martinez? What is it about? So um, tell everyone, uh, where did you grow up at? Like, you know, and everything. So I grew up um, in uh, the Central Valley of California, which it gets overlooked a lot from the state, but not, not to not to hype it up, but like we're like the the we supply the world with food, basically like a big agriculture place. Um, you know, we we have all like Frito Lay here and all, all kinds of headquarters from like different food. We supply the world with almonds. There's a lot of food that comes from comes from the Central Valley. To add to that, we're we're like the meth capital of the world. Like everyone makes meth here. Everyone smokes meth. Not me. Not everyone, but it's a big big drug hub for anything oh, you that you can think of. Oh. You mean keys? You mean you mean keys? Yeah, keys is like to five minutes away from where I live. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like the the valley, the valley's like that. Also, the 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 place where I live, it's weird. So if you see it, it's like half suburbia, half farm town. But this is where not just Turlock, but just the whole territories that I'm at, like Merced, Turlock, Modesto. It is where it sounds stupid, but the the, the place where I grew up is on the same. In this, in the same neighborhood where you have might have a doctor, a, uh, a dairy owners like family, um, you know, a dentist. You'll also have like a drug dealer next door, or like somebody oh, that's wow. laundering money or something. You know what I mean? So the valley is where a lot of people from Mexico um, come to live because it's not as crazy as the Bay Area where there's a lot of uh, actual gangs over there, and it's not as um, close to the border as SoCal or anything like that. It's just quiet. There's a lot of other Mexicans here. Um, you know, you still, you are still close to going to the water or flying to an airport. So this is where I grew up from. I grew up in the central Valley of Turlock. Um, it's kind of like half the high school's hood, half of it's just normal suburban kids. Like everyone's mixed. So you get a big, uh, a, a big melting pot of everybody growing up. So, you know, yeah, I had all kinds of friends growing up Mexican, all kinds of white friends, all kinds of black friends, Asian friends, Filipino, like a bunch of everybody. So that, that that's what I grew up. That's, that's, this is where I grew up. Yeah, like when at the time, like when you know, because I can relate because um, I used to live in Modesto a lot of, in Riverbank, so we know um, because a lot of our family uh, is from over there, from Turlock and Riverbank and and Modesto and you know all that stuff and series too, and uh, you know I can you know to me, I want we were when when I was over there once over there when I visit you and Miles, you know I really. At the time, I was looking for apartments at the time in, you know, Modesto and Turlock. And I was trying to see, is this a good fit for me? You know, I was like, I like it. To be honest, I like Turlock more than Modesto because it's quiet. It's cool. You know, like it's not that much drama, not that much big city life. And I just wanted to get away from things and stuff. And I feel like to me, uh, Turlock was a good place. But when situations happen, you know, and. And I feel like at the time, a lot of people didn't want me to live over there. It's like, what do you want to live over here? There's nothing out here for you in the Central Valley. So it's it, it kind of, I don't know. I don't want to talk down on Central Valley, but for, for me, it's, it was, I don't know. It's just, I want to, I can live the fast life, but I, I can also live the slow life, you know? Yeah, it's definitely not a place that you go for, it sounds bad, but it, like, let's just say this. If you want to work for yourself, you can work it. You can go anywhere. It don't matter where you live. Right. But if you are trying to like get a good job, it's definitely not the place to go for the most opportunity. Right. Like there's just, there's a, there's a fact of the matter is there's not a lot of like big, big businesses here. You know, you can find a job, 
if you meet enough people, you can hustle your way as far as a, you know, networking in the community and you can, you can build yourself out that way. But just to put your resume places and go look for something, it's going to be hard to, to uh, keep moving up. You'll cap out at a certain point. So there's definitely not a lot to do here. The cool thing is that you're in the middle of everything. And uh, you, you got a lot of very diverse groups of people. You got a lot of very, very diverse, like groups of people here in different families and whatnot. And you get to see a whole lot of everything. It's quiet. I'm not going to say it's for me, dude. It's hard to ask me where I enjoy being like that too, because like I live here, I don't hate it, but I've also, I'm also used to it, but I could live in, if I wanted to, like, it would be cool to live in Long Beach. I could, I could go live in the Bay area and be cool with it. You know what I mean? Like I'm one of those people that I'm, I'm pretty agnostic to the domain as far as where I want to live. But yeah, I, I, I understand what you're saying. Cause there isn't a lot to do here. I remember a while back you, I, I don't know if it was true. Like you wanted to move to Long Beach. Is that true? So I was thinking about it, dude. I was thinking about moving. I thought about if I were to go move anywhere in Southern California, honestly, Long Beach is the only place I don't like down. To, I, so when I go on vacations just to like hang out for like a few days, something like that, I like LA. Yeah. I like downtown LA, all the typical places, you know what I mean? Downtown Hollywood, wherever those, like, that's cool. You know, you know what I mean? But if I had to live anywhere in Southern California, I would not live anywhere other than Long Beach. Long Beach is the only place I would move to because Long Beach, I feel like, is the last place in Southern California where you can go and there's actually people like a majority of the people are from Long Beach, where if you go to LA, no, the majority of those people weren't even born in LA. They're all like transplants and you go there and like, nobody's cool. Everybody's just there thinking that they're going to be like a famous YouTuber or a famous actor or a singer. Like everybody's the same. And they're all from like Michigan or Oregon or Washington, whereas Long Beach you go. And it's just like, like, you know what I mean? Like normal people that just grew up in Long Beach and they're just super chill. I, you know what? I never knew that until you told me that you're right. There's been a lot of hipsters moving from Baltimore and this want to be, uh, want to be a superstar in LA. But to be honest, it's like when you go to LA, it's too, you're not, it's like, where are you from? It's like, oh, I'm from over here. No, actually, where are you really from? Oh, I'm from Michigan or I'm from here or whatever. So it's like where a lot of hipsters and a lot of people are moving to LA to, you know, because of jobs are here and it's not the same no more. It's like, I just see them as like, you're not from here. You're like an alien to me. And that's why you're right. We're a lot, a lot of us Long Beach people, we still keep it like Long Beach, you know? Yeah. That's, that's what I like. Like people in Long Beach, they, they, they talk a little bit different, not different, but like Long Beach is, is just different than like, if you were to go to LA or if you were to go to like, Anaheim or where you know what I mean like it's 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 different right there and that's so that's why that would be the only place I would move I thought about it before I like me personally I like going more towards like I don't want to be entirely in the Bay Area but I want to be right outside of it so somewhere like Pleasanton San Ramon where it's still really boring it's still super like there's not a lot to, it's like Turlock but it's closer to an airport it's closer to the city I can travel it's closer to the water it's there's no crime there there's no homeless people not a lot of meth heads there. <laughs> you know what I mean? So if I were to live anywhere, that's where I'd go. But Long Beach would definitely be my second choice. I, I, I really, really enjoy Long Beach. No, no, no. That makes sense. You know, like you, you don't want to be in the city. You want to be in the right in the middle. Like, you know, like Dublin, Pleasanton, Concord, like around that area. You know? Exactly. exactly. And, and kind of like the way Long Beach is. Like you guys have city and downtown and stuff like that too. But you guys have really cool, like not suburban areas, but just kind of like cool, really cool neighborhoods. You know what I mean? We're in Long Beach. It's cool. Like there's some. Well, 
I know a lot of the violence is kind of going down now because I know a lot of the junctions that was going on in Wilmington and Long Beach and all that. Well, a lot of the the ex gang members and this yeah. whatever, they're moving to the Central Valley to to Modesto. Or yeah. No, th- dude. So it's funny that you said, dude. I, I I notice this every year. Actually, I have friends that there's people that I met in the Bay Area that told me. They're like, I'm, they're like, where are you from? I'm like, I'm from Turlock. And these are guys I know are from SoCal. I just didn't know where. And they're like, oh, I'm from there. And I'm like, well, where'd you go to school? And they're like, oh, I, I went to Stan State. And I'm like, okay, so where are you really from? And they'll say that. They're like, I'm from Long Beach or so, somewhere in the area. And I'm like, that's hilarious. So it's like they went from there to the Valley to the Bay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, that's just something where, yeah, a lot of people are like, oh, my God. Talking when, when a person from L.A. goes to the college or lives out in um, Central Valley, be like, oh shit, you know, like, you get, you know, talk about it. It's like, you know, like, you know, like, I know your dad, Uncle Leas, you know, Uncle Leas, he used to live in Wilmington and yeah. when he moved, he's like, oh my God, you're from LA, like, talk to me, well, how was it like, you know, or, or <laughs> when there's someone from uh, LA that moves to Turlock and you're just saying you're, you and your dad know that person, is like, oh my God, you know, finally someone I could talk to you. <laughs> dude I, I know exactly i know exactly how it feels more so my dad because he you know he grew up there so he's more familiar with that whole area like the history of it than i am but dude i i can i completely understand what you're saying 100 hey, i was gonna ask you i never i, I don't know is like how did your how did your dad meet your mom so my dad he was getting in like a bunch of trouble right at uh at my my so if you guys don't know my dad and steven's dad are brothers So, like, I think my dad is the youngest and your dad is the oldest, right? Yes. Yeah. So, um, my dad was getting in trouble and I think he left at, like, right at 17 or right before he turned 17. I don't know if he got kicked out or if he left or it was, like, a mixture of both. But he went and he lived with one of uh, me and Steven's aunts. My, uh, Well, he kind of went back and forth between my Aunt Kathy and my Aunt Deborah, And he was just running around, still being wild down here and whatnot, but trying to go to – he was going to school and stuff, too, and – he basically i think they just had mutual friends and they he met my mom and then they just got together ended up my mom and getting pregnant they ended up getting married and they have me and then it just kind of snowballed from there obviously they've been married for like man like 30 years now it's weird yeah man i was like i was just like i was like wow it's like because i thought in a way when i was little because we were really little and yeah I could have sworn I thought your mom lived in Carson. Maybe they went back and forth. Maybe they moved. I, I mean, there's parts of them when they were, when they, when I was like not born yet, when I got, when I was younger, that I don't remember because like they moved around so much. Like we lived with like my Aunt Kathy for a little while. We lived with did like. Your mom, did your mom have any family in, in LA? No, none. But so she don't have, well, I mean, we do. We have family all over California, right? But not like. I mean, they'd be like a great, great aunt or like a third cousin or something like that. No one that I really know close, but my grandpa, her dad, actually, he lived in East LA when he was like, like, like 15 to like 21, 22. And he was like one of those guys that would wear the zoot suits and go to like all those clubs and, and different things like that. He was kind of like an older, older gangster back in the day. I remember, uh, when, um, when I was little, I must have, I don't know, I think it was like seven, maybe nine or seven or eight. I remember when my mom, when my dad and my mom were together, um, your dad and your mom wanted to spend time alone. 
and my mom and my dad, we used to take care of you when you were like a when you were little, like a baby. That's hilarious. You know, it's funny. It's like everyone tells me different things like that, where they're like, I remember there's I don't even remember that. But I do like there's like when you say that now, I want to be thinking about it and be like, man, this is crazy because my Aunt Kathy will tell me the same thing. Like, oh, I remember watching when you were a baby and your parents would go out here and this and that. And I'd be like, man, I don't remember. But then every once in a while, I'll get some deja vu flashback type of thing where it's like now that you said that. I might remember something now in like a week or two or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. We used to take care of you a lot. We used to play with you. My mom at the time when we used to play with you, be like, oh, what? you know, and everything. And and when your mom, Mona, uh, when she had uh, your brother, uh, Miles and stuff, I was like, what? You know, we, <laughs> we were just playing. I, I, I actually. Remember, I remember one time. I would never forget this, dude. We were at Auntie Kathy's house. Uh, when she was living right there by, uh, oh, right there by that lake, right there by Scott Peterson's, where he, his where he used to live at, right there, that, <laughs> that right there, and uh, I was I said, uh, your mom at the time is like, man, man, David, man, he, I said, Dave, Devin looks more like Asian, and he's like, and she looked at me like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, give me this fucked up look, like, staring, like really? And I could have sworn it's like. Cause you, cause dude, dude, I was like, dude, you, I wasn't saying that like as a race day. I was thinking like, this guy can pull out fucking bitches right here, <laughs> you know, at the time, whatever. And your mom gave me this most ugliest fucking mean look. And I thought in a way she's like, oh my God, she fucking hates me forever, dude. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's funny that you said, cause even Filipinos think I look Filipino and that don't happen that often. You know what I mean? Like usually race, people that are different races can tell who is like their race. You know what I mean? And like, so even Filipino people think I look Filipino when I get tan and stuff like that. <laughs> it's hella funny. But yeah, you know. like, yeah, you know, I, I remember your mom actually vaguely, now that you say this, picking me up and taking me to McDonald's like sometimes she would take oh, yeah. ice cream. Oh yeah. oh yeah. We used to go to McDonald's and everything. I remember at the time uh, where we used to live in the four houses behind right there on Ruby Dog Street with Uncle Ray. He, I mean, it was us. Uh, um, Uncle Noe, Mario, Steven, mm-hmm. and Davy, Amy, Sarah, like Uncle Ray, you know, Ray Ray's son. I mean, the whole crew, we would have family, we would just play or whatever, and we would play all like riding bikes and everything. And I remember when when your dad and mom used to come and you come over from uh, Northern California, you know, like we would go to grandpa's house and everything. It was just all family right there on that, on that block. Yeah, that. It's 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 crazy to think about because like obviously there's so much family now and everyone's so spread out and then some you know people are getting older but it's it's funny to think about that like before recently the last few years is like well even when even before I was born and when you were a kid everybody was so close together either lived together at some point or lived right next to each other or just grew up together like everybody it just kind of it's been very very close knit for so long. Yeah, I was uh, last week. I went to uh, one of my boys, one of my past guests, Joey's Barbecue. He lives in Wilmington, uh, right there by Grandpa's house. Yeah, and uh, I did a vlog. Um, I don't know if you saw, but I was in Wilmington, and I was talking about this is where I used to grew up at. This is the street I was at, and everything. So there's things where when you have good times in your life, you kind of reminisce. And there's one thing about me is even though I live in Long Beach now, I still go 
still go to the Wilmington from time to time because it brings back a lot of memories. I don't know because you were little, but with, with Mario, me, and RIP, uh, Steven, you know, Angie, and, and you know, the, the whole crew, um, we had a good time. We we're playing and everything. So, but it's just something where you don't you don't want to forget about that and there was a lot of good times and you know there's good times and bad times but there's one thing about me i don't forget where i come from even though i lived in i used to live in wilmington and i used to live in modesto and now i live in long beach i don't forget where i came from no yeah i i think that that's that see that's like important too so like you guys like like wilmington like if you guys are i mean i'm sure you have a lot of people in la listening but if you guys are not listening if you guys are listening you're not from la like wilmington's kind of hood or at least it was then you know what I mean? Like, like it's not the, it's not like it's like when you think of Southern California and you're thinking of Wilmington, if you've never been there before, it's not like um, it's not like Orange County or anything like that, you know. But like I, I dude, I 100 percent. I'm the same. It's like, dude, like where you came from, if, if that wasn't instilled in you to like to be like not I don't say loyal to where you came from, but to not to forget your roots. I feel like that will yeah. lead to lack of some lack of certain dimensions of your character later on like that has a lot to do with the type of person that you end up being yeah is this that something where it's like you if you were like in our kind of age like let's say if you weren't a baby and you were kind of like our age you would kind of relate to the lot of the stuff you know like it was like it would be awesome i remember the days where like i said when my mom and dad were together then it would be christmas parties whatever and like the everyone from Modesto, like Auntie Deborah, like Kristen, Adrian, and you know uh, Johnny and Luciano, we all get together, have a good time, and all that stuff. Those like remember that one time we all got together at Grandpa's house. That was me, you, uh, Luciano, Johnny. Uh, you know, this like as everyone came, you know. Oh yeah, even even some of the Apodacas that weren't related to like grandma and grandpa, but like obviously grew up with them forever, like Dana and Erica, and then they all came oh too. Oh my god, did you say that name, Dana? Oh my gosh, she used to have, I used to have a huge crush. On her. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, dude! Like when I was little, even till now, I still think Dana's so fucking hot. But to me, it's like I don't know what I don't I don't know what it's just like. Every time, like, I'll tell you a story. I'll tell you, this is a funny story. Every time we would go for Christmas to sometimes to Auntie Deborah's house, and Dana, what, Apodaca, Erica, Antoinette, when they would all come, when I saw Dana, D- Dana uh, would be like, hi, Steven. I used to get so fucking shy. I used to get like, a fucking boner and shit, dude. <laughs> dude, like, Dana was so hot. And I remember at the time when I got older, I said, hey, man, hey, Dana, like, what's up with you and I? And she fucking, like, t- turned, like, really turned me down. <laughs> what a dick, man. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's so funny. It's funny yeah, hearing, remember, it's funny yeah. hearing this stuff because when I was a little kid, and even though you guys are, like, eight, nine, ten years older than me, you know what I mean? Like, it's funny because when I was a kid, I thought that you guys were, like, grown-ups. So hearing this stuff and me thinking back then, like, I was the age I was, and I looked at you guys like you were grownups. It's so funny hearing this stuff. <laughs> yeah, man. Because I remember, like, I think Dee then Christy, and Dana used to work at Red Lobster, like in Modesto. Yeah. And then, like, a lot of the cousins did. But every time I would see Dana, even to this day, if I would have saw Dana, I would have been like, I would be like, fuck. I just, I would get nervous. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> That's hilarious. They're hecka cool. You All those. You ever ever get like that? You see, it's like a like a huge crush you had on someone, and every time you see that girl, you would be like, "Oh fuck!" Like you just, I'm not me. I'm not. I'm just not me. No, dude. I you know I've thought about this. See, there's no one in my life like that right now. But I have thought about this a million times. Where I'm like, okay, all these girls in elementary school when I was younger that I thought I had like the biggest crushes on that like either like just like would just completely pass on me or just you know what I mean that didn't like me when I was a kid. I was like, what? Well, or even when I was in like junior high. I'm thinking like, what would happen if I saw them today? Would I still be like that and be like, oh God, like get like crazy old heartbeat, my, my ass get all sweaty. Like I'm like getting all nervous. You know what I mean? Like what's going on? So I don't know. I don't have anyone in my life like that right now, but, but I, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I'm sure dude, there's sometimes you're around people and you meet people like girls and you're like that, that feeling might never go away. Even if, even if like you met them and you're like, I don't even like this girl, but you might still get, have one of those like funny little crushes on them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But Dana, if you hear this episode, you know Megan Mesto has a crush on you. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's just like for some for some kind of reason, I always thought like, man, I was like that kid from fucking sound. Like one day I'm gonna marry that fucking lifeguard. <laughs> <laughs> that would hey, if she would have said to me, Steve, I want to be with you, I would have dropped everything. It's like, hey, let's get married right now. <laughs> I would have been like that. But you know what? Hey, you know what? I was little, life goes on, but I was always tripped out. I was like, is she really my cousin or not? Because Apodaca, the Martinez and stuff. So, cause you know how the church, cause you know, a lot of, it's mostly like a lot of people from the church. That's right. Yeah. 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 Our, our family is, is entered. So just so everyone knows our family is not incest. Like we're not dating people in our family, but a lot of people grew up as family friends, either going to church together or growing up in the same neighborhood. So it's like, you had like people that were marrying each other. So like, like a brother and sister, like, like, for example, like our, our, um, we have these aunts and uncles where it's like, there was two sisters and two brothers and they married like a, a brother and a sister married and then their brother and sisters got married. So it's like, you know what I mean? Like, there's, there's a lot of people that like grew up in the same friends group and different friends got married to like different family members. So it's like, nobody's incest, but because the, the community was so tight niched, people are like, oh, you're not my blood cousin, but you're like my cousin by marriage and you're related to this person and it's all over the place. Yeah, that it was kind of weird. I'm always thinking, I said, wait, can I date you? Are you my cousin first? It's like, no, we're not. We're not blood. Like, okay, let's go. Because that's how it went. <laughs> when I used to go to church at First Apostolic and a lot of our cousins were going to church at uh, Second Church with uh, Julian or Gary and all yeah. that stuff. Yeah. You know, and all that stuff. And that's always make sure because it's like, it, we, I, you know, it's, I don't want to be like that movie. Do it like uh, Joe Dirt. Hey, I think we're cousins. I think we're brother <laughs> and sister. <laughs> you know, like, I don't want that shit. It'd be like, fuck it. It's like, there's too much inbreeding over here. This ain't no fucking tiger. <laughs> <laughs> this ain't no tiger king and shit. <laughs> Bro, you know what's funny though? That, that, that even goes out to like, even outside of relationships and dating, like even just people that you meet, like, dude, I meet people in the Bay area where they're, they're like, Oh, I like, I don't know. Like, I don't know anyone from the, from the church really. You know what I mean? Other than like our family, but like I'll meet uh-huh. people in San Jose and they go to like a church over there and they're like, Oh, I go to an apostolic church. And I'm like, Oh, like, who do you know this and that? And they'll, they'll know random people that we're related to. And I'm like, I've never met you. I don't really know that other person that you know, but I know I'm related to them. Like, it's so weird how close knit it is up and through California. California, for as big as it is and as many people, it's very connected. 
Yeah, yeah. It's it's just something else when you it's like when you live in North Cal, Central Valley, the church, you know everything. You really have to. You really got to do your fucking homework. You you got to know what the family tree is. Like, are, we, are we related or not? Because I want to make sure. Because if not, I want to get my peepee wet tonight. <laughs> this is how. It is. That's how it is. It's like you know. It's like you know. It's it's just like. And also, if there's one thing I didn't tell you, if you are a family member, and let's say the family member broke up with someone, you don't want to be like, like jumping on and dating that girl be like hey what the fuck you know it's, it's kind of weird you know no that's true that's true like i'm like see i'm like in one of those positions where i grew up as i like out of the cousins i'm one of the younger cousins you know what i mean out of everybody which is weird because i'm freaking 30 years old you know what i mean but growing up me and miles were like some of the younger ones the only ones even remotely close to our age is like like i don't want to say remotely close but within a few years is like alfonso and me basically the same age like Lorenzo's like four or five years younger than me. Like, there's there's Adrian. Adrian, yeah, Adrian's like I think Adrian's four years older than me. Hey, how's he doing? He's 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 getting better, man. He's up and he's running around. He's just you know, it's Adrian. You know what I mean? He's I always doing his thing, man. Yeah, Adrian's yeah. Adrian's he's he's doing he's out and doing you know being Adrian. Uh, Kristen's doing real good. Like Carissa's married, has a bunch of kids. They all have a bunch of kids. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I know. And her husband, uh, Joseph, follows the podcast. He listens to the podcast, you know. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Joe's a cool guy, man. I love Joe, bro. Yeah. What's up with Johnny, man? He's still being a fucking bully still? <laughs> John's got... I always make fun of John because he's got he's got three girls. I'm always like, dude, you can't make no boys, huh? You don't got enough to... Ah! His pull-out game's whack. <laughs> hey, hold on. Hey, Johnny, you know, if you're hearing this podcast, I got to put you on the spot. I would never forget this. I remember when Johnny and uh, um, Uncle uh, Gilbert and everyone, they were living at this old house when I was little. And this was on Christmas. I'll never forget this. Fucking Johnny took it like a fucking champ. You know how it is, Johnny. You don't remember this, but I do. I remember Johnny was a little he bro Johnny Johnny Apodaca still fuck a smart ass. Come on, you know how it is, bro. You know, so Johnny got smart with Uncle Gilbert. And all of a sudden, Uncle Gilbert says to him, he says to him, What did you say to me? And Johnny says something. I remember this. And all of a sudden, like Uncle Gilbert slapped him in the face hard. And Uncle Gilbert told him, Don't you ever talk to me like that? I don't know how, but when Johnny got slapped in the face, he had no flinch. He stared at him like he slapped him hard and he stared at Uncle Gilbert like it's almost like he didn't say anything, but in his mind it's like, motherfucker, that even that didn't even fucking hurt. <laughs> that was like, what the fuck? I would never forget that. And I must have been what? I think like eight or nine years old. <laughs> that sounds like that sounds like Johnny. That sounds like his nephews, like entirely like Ethan, Mike, and it sounds like something they would do. Like that's, I remember, that's hilarious. Like, I remember Johnny was he was a savage dude. He was he was a little cheapskate. I used to work the landscape with them at Tracy. Man, I was like a slave, dude. <laughs> I forgot that everyone everyone worked in Tracy for a little while, huh? Landscape. Everyone worked yeah. with Uncle Gil and John and them for a little while. Tony and my friend Alex even did that too for a little bit. Yeah, I couldn't do it anymore. He was like, "Hey, where's my money? I was pay- I was working for free." It's like, "Oh, here's the money." It's like, "What the fuck, dude?" It's like, damn, fucking cheapskates up in this motherfucker." You know, like, "Hey, where's my union dues, man? Where's my union money?" <laughs> <Where's> my union? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, 
But as long as of uh, you know Johnny, his family, everyone's all doing good. You know, um, Auntie Kathy, um, Auntie Deborah, Adrian, you know, Carissa. I don't know if Carissa got married. Yeah, Carissa got married. She's got three kids. God damn! I know, man. Everybody's having. I feel it's. Crazy. I'm like the only cousin that doesn't have kids. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like the only one of everyone that don't got kids yet. To be honest, I can't fathom that because I still see them as little kids. Like. I can't believe everyone's just all growing up, and I know Kristen, and it, it's Luciano. Oh man, I know Luciano hears this shit. He's like, "Oh, I'm not. I'm I'm a good boy now. Shut the fuck up. I know you were a bad boy back in the day. We, <laughs> we won't go. There. We won't go there. You know, a lot of people try to be squeaky clean, man. Like, dude, I know how you were. Remember, I, I'll tell you a story about uh, about Luciano before we take a break because once we once we get back, um, we're gonna talk about your YouTube and everything, but. I remember when uh, Luciano and I we used to party with uh, JC and Dave and all these guys. I remember the day, because I know he's very, so he don't give a fuck. So he'll know about this because he's going to listen to this podcast. <laughs> we went to uh, Rock and Taco in uh, Cal State Fortin over there, Fortin City over there, right next to Cal State. And this was on a Tuesday. And he's been, we were drinking before we got there, you know, going to the clubs, the bars, whatever. Luciano was talking shit the whole fucking night. Like, man, I get more bitches than you than this or whatsoever. And it's like, and this is where actually I broke out. Like I, I did a breakout, which means like I started swooping on girls because at the time I was a North, North, North Cal guy. I was super shy. I, I didn't know anyone, whatever. So I was like, okay, whatever. So this guy, Luciano was talking shit. You know, our cousin likes to talk shit. Yeah. So he's like, oh, he was dancing with some girl. He's like, oh, yeah, look at me, Steven. I got this bitch, whatever. And I was looking at her like, man, she's pretty hot. She's pretty short, but still thicky. But she had big chichis, Mexican girl. Yeah. And it's like, that's cool. So Luciano, with his drinks, like, he tells this girl, what do you want to drink? Like, his always thing was a cranberry vodka, like that fucking pussy shit. I don't <laughs> know why. So he buys a drink for him and her, whatever they're drinking and whatever. They're dancing. Yeah. And all of a sudden, his best friend David, he said, like, what are you going to do about it, Steve? Or what are you going to do? He's like, I'm staring at her. Like, we'll just see what's up. I was super fucking hammered, whatever. Say, so look, it, if I get bitch slapped by the girl, fuck it. So Luciano was dancing with a girl on the dance floor. All I know is I was staring at them. All I know is when I went up to the girl, I grabbed her and started making out with her. And she was all up on me and all up on her. <laughs> Luciano was so fucking shocked. He was like, he wanted to hit me, but he was shocked, like, kind of like, what the fuck just happened? He got so mad, but when I was making out with the girl, making out with the girl on the left eye, I glanced. He got so mad that he he just got his cup, he drank it, and threw his shit down, like, what the fuck? You know, and walked out. And Dave and Jason and his boy, uh, JC, were like, oh, shit, fucking Steven just came out. He fucking, he did a committed robbery, like, fucking uh, Mike the Situation and shit. <laughs> And, and after the after we were done, he, uh, Luciano's like, you know what, man? I'm gonna give you props, dude. You, you you committed a robbery, dude. You swooped that girl. Like I didn't think you had it in you, but but dude, you got that girl, man. I give you props. And that was a story, man. I I, I committed a robbery on Luciano. <laughs> <laughs> See, I wish I would have been the same age as you guys and like gone out and done all this crazy stuff with all of you guys. I I remember, like, yeah, there is always, always uh, good times and stuff like that. But right now, we're going to take one, we're going to take a break and we get back because we're almost done with the episode. We're going to talk about 
how he got started on his YouTube channel and what is your advice for Megan Man? Because uh, knowing the fact with Devin, he's just blowing up on his YouTube channel. I want to see how uh, it changed him from doing the stuff from back then and where is he doing that? How is he doing it now? And what's the future for Devin? What's up, everyone? Mega Man here. Um, please subscribe to the Mega Man's podcast. Please rate and review on Apple Podcasts to uh, make the podcast better for all of you to listen to. Um, we're almost there, guys and ladies. I mean, mid-May, we're going to get back to normal. Um, like I said, we got to do this quarantine. Um, you know, like, we just got to be positive. Um once everything gets back to normal, everyone's going to go back to working. Um, you know, to me, I'm still working still, but, um, yeah, man, I just, um, I kind of miss, uh, going out to the breweries. I kind of miss um, hanging out with some of my friends, you know, but, uh, you know, we got to do this, uh, we got to practice this quarantine and we just got to stay safe out there and, and not, um, get, you know, everyone sick or, you know, and, um, I just want to say, um, shout outs to all the podcasters, uh, out there. Um, when, um, I redid a picture, um, from Astafella's, uh, they had a picture. I wanted to reamped it. And, um, I just, my shout outs to my boy, Brian Designs from Australia. Uh, he's been doing some cool ass logos for, um, a VIP podcast and uh, Alpha Rope. This is podcast, uh, you know, and uh, it's it's coming along. And uh, you know, I still have a couple more pictures I want to do for some logos for stickers and shirts. So we're gonna see what's up. I like what I like where my boy Brian Designs is at, and um, you know, um, I wanted to feature a lot of pot Latino podcasts um, that I'm listening to. And so I just did an upgrade and everything. And, um, you know, it just that's that's who I'm listening to. Um, so it's a it's a lot of the podcasts I'm listening to, guys and ladies. It's very interesting. And and I know there are some other uh, podcasters who damn me like, hey, what about me and this or whatsoever? I mean, I get it. It's cool. But this is my version. This is who I'm listening to. And this is who I'm going to support and everything. I mean, I support a lot of people's uh, podcasts, but, you know, just it really depends. You know, this is uh, I mean, I listen to about maybe not not to exaggerate over pretty much over close to 100 to 200 different types of podcasts. And, uh, you know, out of that out of that 200, this is this is the pod. These are the podcasts that um, I enjoy listening to and uh, by it's really, really good. And, um, whatever I try, if I ever have time, um, you know, I always give shout outs or if I'm doing other people's podcasts, I got to give, I got to promote and, and get other people's podcasts out there. So that's what I'm doing. Um, but now with, the these episodes now, um, starting with this episode, 144 going on till now, um, it's, it's all going to be like, talking about current stuff now and everything so i'm kind of relieved and uh 
you know, I'm just kind of like, I have so much to talk about. Um, be on the lookout. I will be doing a Mega Man's Life Part 7 and a Part 8 and a Part 9. Um, and also um, more guests to come on the Mega Man's podcast. But, you know, there's I might have some, you know, do some podcasts over the phone or maybe on Zoom. We'll see what's up. But like I said, good things to come on the Mega Man's podcast and everything. And I hope you enjoyed this episode i done uh with my cousin devin martinez youtube sensation uh he's from northern california please uh follow him i'm gonna be posting everything on my instagram and give him give him love give him give him support and all that stuff he's he's doing big things and uh he um he gave me some good pointers on how to start a youtube channel and this and whatsoever all right all right let's get back to the episode everyone be safe out there and we're gonna get back to normal after mid-May. Enjoy this episode, guys. Late. All right, we're back on. Uh, so now we're gonna get to the nitty gritty. We're gonna talk about uh, my cousin Devin's uh, YouTube channel. So, how did you do your own videos? All right, so it's a uh, it's a little bit of a I'm, I'm gonna get the simplified version of it. So. I've been making videos since I was uh, like 13 years old and uh, my dad. So what happened was, this is going to sound like it's not connected, but I'll, I'll make the connection down the line in the story. It'll be quick. So my dad, he, uh, he got laid off from his job when I was like, I don't know how old, maybe like 10, 11 years old or whatever. He was working in a can plant and uh, he got laid off and then he decided to make like a career change. Right. So he went from doing all that stuff to going into it and so he started doing that and he met all kinds of other guys that were obviously at that time in like the nineties, um, like ripping stuff off the internet and they're just real tech guys. So I, my, uh, my neighbors that I, that when we moved to this new neighborhood, they were skateboarders and I started skateboarding with them just because they were like the teenager bad influences on me <laughs> and I wanted to be just like them. So they, they were always trying to get sponsored. So they carried cameras around and they would film themselves skating and then they would go um, edit the videos at their house and then they would, put them on VHS tapes and then take them to skate shops and try to basically hustle these tapes of them doing tricks for uh, free skateboards, free clothes and whatnot. Right. Um, kind of like the, what people do on the internet now. So yeah. I, I, because they would, I would go skate with them when they would go home to edit, I would go watch my neighbors. Like I would just stand next to them as they were editing videos on the software called Adobe Premiere. So I told my dad, um, he was friends with all these tech people and he was learning to rip stuff off the internet back then. I was like, Hey, I want to, I want to get Adobe. And he goes, I think I have a friend that they can rip you a copy. So they downloaded it and got me a crap free cat, uh, crack key. And I got this software that's like really, really sophisticated for free when I was like 13 years old. And, yeah. um, I just, from watching my neighbors edit, I started editing videos on there and I, I learned, I taught myself how to go from like a mini DV tape to the computer and get the RCA cables and put it on next to the VCR and put the stuff from a computer onto a, a VHS tape and then, um, uh-huh. take I was having my mom drive me to skate shops around town and I was dr- dropping them off places trying to get sponsored and uh, I was pretty good. So I was, I edited videos good. No one knew that I edited my own videos, but I was also pretty good skating. So I got little sponsors. People were giving me free shirts and everything like that. Nothing really amounted from it, but that's what kind of got me started. Like I, I, I learned how to, I got good at video editing, editing without even knowing that was going to be part of my career later. I was just trying to get myself, someone to be a professional skateboarder, you know? So that was in like, now I was, it was still, I was young, but it was still pretty far, far along in the process. It was already like 2003, right? So two years later, YouTube starts. 
And I'm like, oh God, I love this thing. So I wasn't making videos in 2005, 2006, but I was just consuming so much content. I was playing a lot of music. I was, I had just started doing jujitsu at the end of high school in like 2008, 2009. And I started making videos again, but nothing, nothing crazy. Right. So I was, I was a personal trainer for a little while. This is the part where it seems like it goes haywire. Right. But into my early twenties, I was a personal trainer for like maybe five, six, seven years. And, um, as I was a personal trainer, I started doing jujitsu and I was just training every day. And what got, it got to the point to where I stopped going to school cause I wanted to be a personal trainer and I was just working and I was, I wanted, I liked the money that I was making. I was doing jujitsu and I just thought I want to do jujitsu for the rest of my life. I started competing and I was using Instagram, um, to get like, like sponsors basically. So I was gaining following on, on the internet in the jujitsu community. I had maybe six, 7,000 followers and, uh, oh, damn. Yeah. And this was in like, I, I was, it was in like 2014, 2015. And, um, I basically said, like, I remember when I first started, when I first met the guys from that podcast, I wasn't doing their podcast yet, but they were already podcasting and they started sponsoring me for tournaments. So I had like a clothes sponsor. I had a soap sponsor. I had a podcast sponsor. And I just said, I'm going to quit my job and just do jujitsu full time. Like I'm hustling sponsors off of Instagram. Like, why don't I just do this? You know? So after so many years of, I, I quit school and I was just being a trainer um, and I just had a little bit of Instagram followers. I quit my job to do jujitsu full time and I was competing. And six months into that, I got hurt. Like I ruptured my pec from my shoulder, basically complete muscle oh, belly. Tear. Just ripped it training too. So I couldn't really compete obviously for a while. And um, I was like, man, I just quit my job not that long ago. I can't compete. What am I going to do? You know? So long story short, I was like, okay, I like, I realized that my sponsors were still giving me money and still sending me stuff because my followers were paying attention on, the, on Instagram. You know what I mean? So it almost didn't matter that I wasn't competing and uh, people were still like wanting to talk to me and pay attention to me. So I was like, I could do this just with anything. Like I did it with skateboarding when I was a kid, I hustled those like videotapes to the skate shops and they gave me free stuff. I'm hustling my Instagram and jujitsu brands are giving me free stuff. Like I can do this for, for anything, you know? So I, uh, I basically said, that's what I'm going to do. I, I just thought that until I get better and can compete again, I'm just going to try to work with businesses and man manage their social media accounts and, uh, make content for them. And nobody wanted to give me any work <laughs> basically. Like, cause they're like, you don't have a college degree. Like you only have Instagram followers. And at this point, businesses weren't really taking the internet that serious as far, at least social media, they weren't taking it serious. So, um, it just, years went by and I, I was still trying to hustle and I was taking little dirt cheap jobs doing, um, you know, videos for this business, sometimes doing work for free, just build my portfolio. And I just told myself, I need to keep building my own audience. Otherwise no one's going to take me serious. So I just started cranking out as much content as I could on YouTube. Cause I had all those years of video experience already before YouTube even existed. Mm -hmm. And, um, I kept building my Instagram followers and just pivoted away from jujitsu and, I, I was still trained jujitsu, but I didn't emphasize it on my accounts as much. It was just something that I was like, I do it and I love it. I do it every day. But it was like, I was trying to just build followers doing anything. And I did that and I got like, you know, 50,000 Instagram followers. And I think once I hit like 15, 20,000 YouTube subscribers, people actually started taking it remotely serious. And I started getting work from that. And I was like, oh, okay, people are paying attention more to the fact that I have YouTube subscribers than they are actually my work portfolio which it's like a balance of that now, but back then. Right. And so I just, I just made content like every day I was, I literally for the first two months I was on YouTube, dude, I vlogged every day 
even the second month I vlogged and I did a reaction video every day. Like I had like, I think in those first two months I gained like eight, seven, 8,000 subscribers, which is not like, it's a lot, but it's not like a lot compared to people who have a million or 500,000 or 10 million, you know, but for like someone who was really grinding it out, that many subscribers is a lot to really just get out organically without ever trending before, you know? That's a lot because I mean, to me, I know it's like millions or whatever, but to me, that's a lot. It's like, we're like identical. It's like, you're killing it in the YouTube channel and I'm, I'm killing it in the podcast. And it's like, man, I wish like if you had like, man, I wish I had a podcast like Mega Man, you had the best of both worlds. It's almost like we, it's almost like we wish we had, we had the best of both worlds, like YouTube and podcasts. hundred percent. Like we get like either like not switch places, but I can give you some of that that I got on YouTube and you give me some of that, that you got on that podcast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. exactly dude exactly that's that's kind of the boat that i'm in right now so i'm just trying to uh, diversify my content a little bit more and basically i'm just i'm, I'm accepting that i'm gonna have to spread myself a little bit thin and just keep riding this uh this momentum that i got on youtube so i'm saying i gotta put all some of this energy into a podcast i gotta put some of it into tiktok put some of it into instagram but yeah so i, I also i i do this a lot for businesses everybody so it's like i've i built up my following without ever having like a viral video like I have, I have videos that have hundreds of thousands of views. I have videos that have millions of views, but I've never had one video that just like took me off. I've literally grinded out all of my followers and all my subscribers. So that's like one thing that I really, really like to tell people. Cause there's some people that they get, they have one good episode or one good video or two good posts. And then they just blow up after that, you know, where it's like, I never had that. I'm just, I'm still trying to work it out, <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's, that's always something where it's, I always think about like, and that's, and that's what I was thinking about. Like when I went, when I, when we we're talking is I wanted to get you on the podcast today. I was thinking to myself, man, would it be a good idea to have it be a good episode if I could have my cousin Devin? Because there's one thing I always wanted to do is like YouTube and you've been doing so much YouTube and videos and and looking at your numbers. Like a lot of people are gonna look at your Instagram numbers like, oh, this guy has 52 Ks. But when I look at the YouTube channel, I was like, God damn, you have content after content after content. Yeah, dude, I grind. I have about 400 videos that I've posted yeah. in three and a half years or three years. Mm-hmm. So I, I've just constant. And, and you know what? If I would have been consistent last year, I should have, honestly, I should have about 500 videos up. I just, some of them never finished getting edited. Some of them I never even started editing. They're just recorded. I also had a like two hard drives, like literally six terabytes worth of videos stolen from me. So I'm broke into my car. Like there's been a lot of stuff that's happened where I'm like, you know, stuff never came to fruition with certain pieces of content, videos and ideas that I had. But yeah, I, I'm one of those people that was just like, I 100%, it's not even that I believe it. This is just how it works. The internet and creating content, it's all about volume and getting as much out there as you can. Like it's quantity over quality. Don't get me wrong. Quality content is always, always the best. You always want to do good with what you put out there, but more importantly, you need to put out a lot of it. And like the, I think some of the numbers I have kind of reflect that. Dude, like there's there's no other way to do it. Otherwise, you're just you're just praying that you're gonna have one piece of content that really helps you out and gets you a bunch of followers and start your career off, you know. Um, I want you to let everyone know when like you're starting a YouTube channel and like me starting a podcast, what goes behind it, it's it's a lot of it's a lot of time. You have to spend a lot of time, you know. Oh, it's, it's like literally like the first year that I was on, I still put in a lot of time now, but the first year that I was on YouTube, like 
dude, I wasn't making that much money. I was kind of like just doing it for work. I was doing any type of marketing stuff I could do, making videos for everybody. I was, I was working more, almost more or as much as I'm working now for almost not that or not that much money. But on YouTube, that was like, I was doing it for free, obviously, just for myself, just hoping that I can make money off it one day. And I was, dude, stay up to like four or five in the morning, just editing. Like I would work and I would record myself while I was working. I got a vlog while I was working. And then after I would get home and finish my client's work, I would stay up and edit my own videos and then upload them and do the descriptions and the tags. And then after I put that out there, try to hustle it on the internet and go into Reddit forums, post my link everywhere and talk to people on Instagram and Twitch, just all kinds of shit. You know what I mean? I grinded it out. And see, a lot of people don't know. It's like what goes behind the scenes, like what you're doing on YouTube, but also on the podcast, when people say, oh, I could do a YouTube channel. Oh, I can do a podcast. Well, go fucking do it. But they don't know what goes on. They think like, okay, what's I can, I can fucking do it. But with the determination and the hustle and the work ethic of what goes behind the stuff that you put on your YouTube or the stuff that goes behind of what I put on the podcast, it's a lot of work. Oh yeah, dude. Like, dude, I'm three years into YouTube and I have a, I have a good amount of subscribers, but I don't have enough to where I get to work. There's a lot, there's many people that have way more than me. So I got 30,000, 33,000, thir- over 30,000 subscribers. I'm, my channel is barely like, it's not that it's barely picking off, but it's like, it's really picking off now, like picking up now. Whereas like before, like I, I, there wasn't basically, there's never been any question that I'm going to stop. I'm three years in. I'm still not doing it full time, but I like still like, all right, I'm, I'm committed to this. I'm going to do it full time at some point. I'm doing it while I'm working, while I have clients, while I have jobs to do, you know what I mean? But it's just kind of like one of those things you just have to accept that it's something like, especially in the space, you want to be a creator on the internet and have it as a career. It's going to take a little while and it's not going to be one of the things like a normal job where like you could work for a year and get a promotion. One of these on the internet, you might, you might create content for two years and barely make a dent. You're not, you know, and your third year comes around and you're like, I kind of get it. And your fourth and fifth year, it barely when it happens, you know what I mean? Who knows? It could be anything, you know, maybe if you're listening to this, maybe it happens to you over three months and you're just one of those people who knows, but definitely have the, have the perspective that it might not be like that. You kind of just got to accept it. Yeah. I, it's going to yeah, take a while. Oh yeah. I get it. Um, I know a lot of people, not you, but other people, you know what I mean? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. I know a lot of people always tell me like, Hey, where are you going to put this? I already have so many ideas. Like, you know, like we were talking about, like, you know, with me starting the YouTube channel, what's like the, what's behind the scenes, this or whatsoever, the content gets and this, I mean, <coughs> yeah, but with everything, it's like, there's so much you want to put out. But like I said, it's like, if I had another person producing or doing this or or whatsoever so it can cut my time in half, that would be so easy. But when you're doing it by yourself, it's and you have a full time job or whatsoever and a family, it's going to be really kind of difficult to kind of like juggle with that with your pod with the podcast. Yeah, people take that for granted. They they kind of just look at it like it's very trivial. Like, oh, you're just playing around on the internet. Like, you, they think you just press that button, record, and then you go and you upload it, and you just want people to listen to you and get all kinds. Of, you just want attention and all this shit. But it's like, dude, it's like you still have a normal life. It's not like this consumes your life, but it consumes that part of the life where where the typical person would be lazy. So, like, I might wake up at seven, eight, six o'clock, or whatever time, right? and work until five or six like you do but it's like i'm tweeting throughout the day i'm post on instagram i'm trying to talk to people on reddit and then after like the normal person that maybe stops working at five or six or seven whatever 
their their night is done. They eat dinner. Whereas like me, between all those things, eating dinner, I probably do the same things that a normal person does. But I'm also editing videos. I'm recording videos. I'm trying to think of content. I'm creating content. I, I'm just doing so much stuff that like it's not even me because I don't want to put it all on me. These are people like you do this. Other content creators. There's a lot of other people there that if you're thinking about creating content, this is like a normal thing you're going to have to do if you want to make something out of it. Mm-hmm. You know what I was doing? And this is the thing where um, there was a lot of podcasters we had, like No Father, No Problem. There's a podcast with me, like No Father, No Problem, Julio from uh, uh, Radio Bundao, Deuce from LA's podcast, you know, and stuff like that. And we're talking about all these things, what's our ideas back then. And what I was doing, you know, people always shed light, like, okay, you need to have a home base. You need to have this or, or whatsoever. And I was thinking like, oh, yeah, I was worried. Like, I need this, this, and this. But I think in a way, I, I don't want to worry about other people, what they're doing. I kind of want to worry about me. What do I have to do? It's like I have my own place. I can always have a home base over here or whatsoever. I got the podcast equipment. I'm doing whatever I can. The The social media, the Patreon, the website, the merch, I got all that shit going down. I want to work on something that's very new to me where people always say, hey, Mega Man, you need a YouTube channel. And that's the thing I want to focus on to build my numbers and to get out there. I didn't tell you this, Devin, about the story. So I always say this. Maybe you're new to this. You know, I don't know if you listen to the podcast that much. I left a DM a month ago to Joe Rogan. I told him, hey, my name is so-and-so, Mega Man from the Mega Man's podcast. You know, one day my dream is to be on the podcast, you know, GRE or whatsoever. So what I've been doing that, you know, I've been so much, much hunger where if I have to start a YouTube channel and try to do more people's podcasts and try to get more well-known guests and this or whatever, I'll always want to do whatever I can where Joe Rogan one day be like, hey, man, I've been hearing about your podcast. We want to come on. That's always been my thing. That's always been my dream is to one day be on the Joe Rogan's podcast. And I know a lot of people are going to be like, oh, yeah, it ain't going to happen. But to me, I'm working at it. I'm working on my weaknesses. I'm working to get to better my podcast or if I have to do a YouTube or this or whatsoever or try to get a bigger platform for him to reach out to me to invite me on. That's what I've been doing, Devin. I don't think that there's anything crazy about that either. It's hundred percent possible. Uh, the, the one thing I want to say about that too, is like people, especially, and, and this isn't just when it comes to looking at people that make stuff on the internet. It could be when they see, you know, when you're a kid, you see it, you play ball in high school. There's if you could be hella good and people will just say something about you or if you are some type of artist and you're younger, people think you're weird. Like, oh, you're never going to do anything with that. A lot of the time it's because those are the type of people that, don't necessarily have enough courage to try. Right. So like a lot of people talk about confidence and like, I'm confident. I have, I have an abundance of confidence, but that doesn't really do a whole lot as far as like putting effort and trying, like it takes a lot of courage, not only to constantly do something like a podcast or create videos or let if you want to fight, be an MMA fighter, you quit your job and you want to start fighting, whatever it is, it takes a lot of courage to actually do something that looks like you're going to fail really. Like it, it just takes a lot. And some people don't understand that. And for whatever reason, it, it gives people a lot of entertainment or sometimes they're just trying to validate their own insecurities to themselves, you know, by putting other people's down. I don't know, but I will say that that, that doesn't sound like it's that crazy. Like it's 100% possible. If you, you know what, 
there's a bunch of podcasts that are very popular. What makes you any different from them? If you're put in the work at the time, it's like your podcast could blow up. Joe Rogan has a, like hundreds of hundreds of podcast guests. Why, why, why is it any different between, you know, what's the difference between you and them being on there? At some point they started working really hard too, you know? Yeah, that's, that's the one, that's the only thing. So to me, I don't want to listen to uh, outsiders. And like you and I, we're different. We're cool. But like with other people who think like, why you want to do that? Or, or those people be like, oh, I could do it better. Or those people who'd be like, oh, shoulda, coulda, woulda people. Like they always want to put you down and, or something where if people are doing something new on the, on other people's podcast, I don't want to worry about that. I just want to worry about me and focus on my podcast and stuff like that. And not worry about other people because I don't want to be distracted of what they're doing. It's like, okay, whatever. That's a good idea, but I'm still going on my path. No, hundred percent. That's, that's basically how I am too. Like I kind of, and you almost get desensitized to that too. It does get annoying sometimes because you know that even if people stop saying it around you, you know, they say it behind your back here and there, but it's like, for me too, I've gotten so desensitized to it towards, I don't even like care what those people think no more. You know what I mean? It's like, they're going to do their thing. And it's like every time you make a little bit of prog- progress or you do a collaboration with someone that's pretty cool that they like or whatever, right? It's like all of a sudden they're like, oh, they might give you props or something like that. But you know, it's never real. Yeah, I, I feel like to me now when you when I get more deeper into the, I mean, thank God I've been through with a lot of the pressures and a lot of the stressfulness in the podcast in the beginning. But the bigger the podcast I get, I feel like it's getting more when you have more eyes on you, you have more distractions, you have people watching every move that you do on your stories, on your this or whatsoever, who you bringing on, what's your ideas and stuff like that. It's, it's kind of like to the point, I'm not, I have to get used to it, I have to adjust to it, but I, I'm pretty much in a way mentally prepared for any situations, what, comes on because the more bigger the podcast i get the more eyes and the more problems or the more situations of people are just kind of like for some kind of reason i feel like they're they're gonna try to feel like they're gonna try to hold me now hold me down for not reach reaching my goal 100 percent. it's just again it's just like it's like the same dudes that are like just like uh like fans in like a basketball game or something you know what i mean like they're always going to be on the sidelines kind of just talking shit basically you know what i mean but it's like it is what it is i know exactly what you're talking about though there's always going to be people there saying that but it's it's usually like people that got enough time to say that you know what i mean like and for me now too as long as they're watching my stuff i don't even care if they're watching my stories or they're if they're watching my videos if they're going to listen to my podcast whatever it is I don't care. I don't even care if they want to talk crap about me. Just keep watching it and giving me those like ads that I can monetize and those views and those listens, you know what I mean? Cause I could do something with those, your opinion. It's like, it almost don't even matter. You know what I mean? Just keep giving me my, my plays. And, and I like that because I, I like that you said that because that's what I was thinking too, because this is where to me, I know with YouTube is that you, you get it to me in the, the, the podcast, I get it because in the beginning, like I said, I had it, I went through so much shit, but now I have super thick skin is when you have haters and trolls or negative people or this who are always lurking, always liking your shit or always whatever, or always criticizing every episode. The only thing that you can do is say, hey, thank you for listening to my podcast. But 
when they cr- keep on criticizing you and hearing your episode to find any little bits of pieces of, oh, you, you did this, you did that, I always tell them, how many times did you listen to it? Oh, I listened to it eight times. Thank you for listening to it because you're building my numbers. Yeah, and, and at the end of the day, that's all that matters, really. Like, if people have something positive to say, then I take that into, like, then I'm like, okay, I'm grateful for it. Like, this is awesome. But if they're saying something negative, they're just a number to me. I'm like, all right, that, keep watching. I like that. I like the the positivity that you're telling me that because I think in a way in the beginning, I was worrying about the negativity. But when you have a lot of people who show you love, and I guess in a way, I'm getting adjust to it, getting used to it now. It took me like a year, but we're so used to like negativity. But when you when you have like 300 loves, we always worried about that one negativity. I don't care about that no more because you're not going to make everyone happy. But in a way, it's like if you're not going to make everyone happy, get used to it. There's a whole bunch of people who love your podcast and all that. So I'm just going to focus on that and not worry. You know, that's how it is. Again, you're not going to make everyone happy. Yeah, 100 percent, 100 percent. And then there's always people that, that that's just their uh, that's just their pastime and they enjoy doing that. You know, people are, some people are just naturally trolls and they might not even notice that they're being that negative all the time either. You know, what I mean, some people, they just their character is a little bit different and they're, they, they don't know. They don't got nothing on their place. They're, they're going to criticize someone else's shit. Yeah, I don't even worry about that. When people say, oh, I could do a better podcast, I'll be like, go fucking do it. Yeah, it's like all right, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, ahead. and 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 then you know what they always do is like, hey, Megan, you think you can come fucking help me start a podcast? Like, dude, you were just talking shit, and you want me to come fucking help you? Yeah, it's like everybody's got good ideas until it's time for them to go do it. It's like, yeah, you got a good idea. Why don't you go do it then? Yeah, or they say like, oh, I did a podcast, but I was like, okay, and I'm gonna be like, hey, what happened? Oh, I got stuck. Like, what do you mean? Like, I stopped at ten. And it's like, well, why? I ran out of ideas. Well, that's not my problem. Yeah, exactly, right? Yeah. So um, I want to talk about, like, you talked about, you did a video. I remember I, a while back, years ago, that you did a video of you because uh, I remember, I didn't know at that one. When I was little, I didn't know about this until you posted this video that uh, with cancer. Yeah. So this is kind of like, people people a lot of people will watch that video and then they end up asking about it later so like when i was like a kid and steven you know i don't talk about this a lot i'm not up here trying to preach at all oh, no, you know no, no, no. but our family you know our family just get some background context like we grew up in like church you know i mean even if we even though we were probably all rebellious kids oh, yeah our parents grew up very like old school traditional our grandpa is just like a like a stonewall man you know what i mean like that dude don't play around and uh, so, like Stephen's dad, my dad, my our aunts—they uh, they grew up with a very, very strict mother and father. So some of that rubbed off on us, but maybe not to the extent that our grandfather was, and we were just all over. But anyways, regardless, we uh, I, we grew up in church, and um, so that that has a piece in this story where I'm not not a big emphasis on it, but it's just it has that that part needs to be said for it to make sense. So I uh, I was like ten years old, and uh, I was like spending the night at my friend Jordan Buchanan's house. I'll never forget. We were all camping in the backyard. We all took our baseball mitts and my cousin, Steven, not Steven, Adrian gave me this uh, Mizuno baseball mitt. It was like my favorite baseball mitt I've ever had in my life. And he used it for a few seasons, but he grew out of it and it fit me perfect. And it was broken in. It was all like uh, lotioned up. Like, like it was dope. It was so cool. And I slept on it wrong in like the tent. I remember like we all slept with our baseball mitts 
And my friends are using them as pillows and mine ended up going under my back and it hurt my back. And I woke up the next morning and I was like, oh, my back's sore. This is weird. Like my, my lower back, heck, I hurt. And for that whole weekend, I remember I left this guy's house, went back on my parents. And my parents had, they were going to like some furniture store or something like that. And I was walking around with them and I had to sit down like every like 20 feet because I couldn't walk. Like my back, heck, I hurt. My parents knew I wasn't, uh, I wasn't exaggerating because I, I wasn't really that, that type of kid to be like, oh, I'm hurt all the time or I'm doing this. You know what I mean? And uh, so they were like, oh, something's wrong. So they took me to the doctor and the doctor basically said like, like, oh, like this is like, this doesn't look normal. You need to go get this. Uh, you need to go get this kid an MRI. It's like literally like the next week over, they uh, go get an MRI. They do a biopsy or whatever and um, send me back home. And like within like, I don't know, another week, they said, they called my mom and, and I'm, I'm going through a lot of, I'm fast forwarding through a lot of stuff, but they call my mom and uh, my dad's at work. And I remember being uh, at the, upstairs in this apartment that we lived in mm-hmm. and uh, they basically, I didn't know this at the time, but they told my mom, they're like, basically like your son has cancer. And uh, so then she went through the conversation. I could hear her crying and she hung on the phone and I remember her walking upstairs in the apartment and going to her room and I heard her crying. And I remember in my head thinking like, this is the first time in my life I thought someone like died. I was like, man, did grandma die? Did my nana die? Like who passed away? That's, that's all I thought. Cause I've never heard my mom cry like that in my entire life. And uh, I remember being a little kid and being like freaked out and like being like, it sounds weird, but like I thought about death when I was a kid all the time. And I was always like, well, because when you grow up in church, I'll give you some background. When you grow up in church, especially in old school church, you hear about people die. You hear about death all the time. Oh, yeah. People just say, normally, like, you're going to die one day. <laughs> you're going to, you know what I mean? So when you're a kid and you grow up like that, like I was just thinking about death all the time. I was like, man, I could die one day. People could die. Like, I didn't fathom it. Right. But anyways, I thought that that's what happened. And um, so I thought that my mom was going to come tell me all this stuff. And so at, when I'm nine, 10 years old, they don't tell me that, you know, the doctors that have cancer, cause I'm not really going to understand that anyway. They just, basically tell me, sit me down, tell me, Hey, listen, you're going to have to have surgery on your back. It's going to be kind of scary. Like, you know, we're sorry, but you, you have to have the surgery. There's no way around it. We don't want you to think that we're making you do this. Like someone's making us do this mm-hmm. and like, it's going to be good for you basically. Right. And I remember freaking out and like, not at the time, but like before I had the surgery, obviously I freaked out, scared. But, uh, the, the part of that is that like a week after that, you know, every, every week we go to church, but a week after the next week following that, when they took me to church, I remember uh, we went to this like church where it's like kind of old school, like you see in the movies, like where they have like the big choir and like the lights and like all kinds of people like singing and dancing and like crying and stuff. It was like a, like an old school church, like old school apostolic church. And uh, so when they took me to that church, uh, like, like they do every Sunday uh, that weekend, they basically told the people, they're like, Hey, you know, you got to pray for our son. This happened. Yada. They tell them the story. So I remember them, like we were sitting upstairs at this like one thing and then when they do the altar call like they basically had like said that they're gonna pray like pray for me so there's other people they're getting prayed for but it was basically like just me and i remember there was like eight or nine people around me and they i remember all these like these men like they're all suits right like at this church everyone dresses up real nice like their sunday's best these all these guys all have their hands on my shoulders and my in my forehead and in the back of my head and my back and they like start praying for me and when i'm like a little kid like I'm like, people pray for me. I just start crying. I'm not scared or nothing like that. That's just, that's just how I react. And I, or even now when I'm at church and people pray, it's like, that's how I, that's how I've always been. And I remember like crying and like, I'm not freaking out. I'm just more like, this is how I react. <laughs> you know, this is normal for me. But um, 
I didn't really think that much of it. You're a little kid. You don't know how to take any of those situations. Like you don't know how to pray. You don't know. How, you don't oh, yeah. think much into your church that much. You know, you're just there. And um, they probably prayed for me for like 10, 15 minutes. And like people were singing and like, it was just like intense. You know, if I could go back and relive it, I probably, I'm sure it was a lot more intense than I thought it was, honestly. And uh, so that happened. And the next week over after that, the doctors called back and they're just straight tell my parents, like, listen, we made a mistake. Like we, you know, your son doesn't have cancer. And they're like, wait, what? And they're like, yeah, no, he doesn't have cancer. This is like, he has a, the tumor is big. Like it needs to be taken out. Nothing's changing. It's like, as far as like what we're going to do, but just so you have some peace of mind, he does not have cancer. So then they're like, oh, okay, great. Cause you know, if I have cancer, even if they take that tumor out, there's still the possibility of multiple surgeries and different types of treatments after the surgery. You yeah. know? So this was like a one-off get the surgery and done. I'm out. So like, that was like a big relief for them, but it was after a week after, you know, that happened. And this is why I said at the beginning, like, you know, the, the, that has some play in it and I'm not up here trying to preach, but it's just a crazy situation. And I'm, you know, I don't, if you don't believe in God, you don't believe in God. If you do great, like I do, but I'm not trying to push that on anybody. But I always tell people, cause they ask me about that story. They're like, man, that's crazy. Like, what do you think? And I'm like, well, I don't think it was coincidence. Like that that happened. If it did, that's like a one in a million coincidence. You know what I mean? So that was kind of like the the variable in there where I'm like, man, this, this shit is crazy. You know what I mean? Like take me to church. I get paid for it. The doctors tell me they, they made a mistake. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's kind of like the professionals made a mistake. So it's like, I'm supposed to take their word that when they tell me cancer and I'm supposed to take their word when they tell me I don't have cancer, but somewhere in between the, those two answers, I got prayed for and like some crazy spiritual situation happened. You know what I mean? So for me, I, I always tell people, I'm like, if you don't believe it, I don't care. It doesn't, it, I don't get my feelings hurt when people don't have the same beliefs as me. But like, I'm always like, man, God, that's some crazy stuff. Like, I think God healed me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not to get into it too deep, but that's that's pretty much my story. That's that's usually the video that people ask me about the most. It's such a random, random situation. Dude, like when I saw that video, man, it was fucking deep. And uh, and that's the thing where I started like, like looking at your videos today uh, before we started the podcast. I was like, wow. But that was the uh, the video that re- that uh, when you, we talked about it, it, I'll never forget that. Yeah, it it, it it definitely it's funny because I talk about it with other people a lot, but it, it's one of those stories that I never end up going in depth with a lot of people, not because I'm embarrassed of it, not because of anything, but it's just kind of like. Like, um, I never want to use it as a crutch to, to have it be like, oh man, this guy's like really like gone through stuff. You know what I mean? Like I, it's, it's definitely, and I think about it, it's definitely an interesting story. And it's weird to think that I had like such a big surgery as a kid. It's even weirder to think that like, they told me I had cancer and then I didn't have cancer. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, or whatever, however it happened, but it, it's, it's right. See, see, we're talking about, it. I think back to it now and I'm like, that's definitely like a crazy situation. But it's like I lived through it and I've like I experienced it. So to me, it felt like it was just like a normal part of my life. But I don't know. It's, it's so, it's so weird thinking back. Uh, to we're that. almost going to get to the end right now. But uh, I was going to say you, for people who are listening to this episode and they want to start a YouTube, what uh, what do, what kind of advice can you give them? All right. So number one. I, I have a course that I'm building that is only going to be nine bucks and I'm not trying to plug this here, but it's going to be out this week um, before the end of the weekend that if you guys want, you guys can DM me and I'll send you a link to the course and I'll give you a discount on it. That It's going to tell you how to start up, start up on YouTube basically. And uh, you, you can get a bunch of answers from there, but I'll, I'll go over quickly like what the main thing is that when you start, right? So 
obviously a lot of people ask me, what kind of camera should I get? Should I get lighting? What, what should I use to edit? This is what I say. You could find the best camera by researching. You can find, and, I, and I'll give you advice on that, right? But you can find the best camera by researching. The best editing software you could find, and, and that's all preference, but you could find that by researching too. The part that you will never learn by research, and a lot of people won't tell you this because they're going to give you some like stupid like growth hack or like like strategy. It, the only strategy is you have to make as much content as you possibly can. And if I was starting all over again, I wouldn't, I would, I mean, if I had the money, I, I, you know, buy a camera, that's cool. It's always fun to play around with them, but you just need a cell phone and th- to be willing to create content every day and not be worried about making it perfect. Everywhere else is different. YouTube is, a, is, a, is its own animal. You just want to make as many videos as you can get in front of people as much as you can, because the more videos you feed the algorithm on YouTube, the more they're going to reward you because each video is like new advertising space and YouTube wants to sell ads. So if your channel has a bunch of videos, YouTube wants to give it priority ranking because they're like, Oh, these are more videos we could place ads on mm. more ads on videos means more money for them. More, more videos means more real estate for them to sell to different businesses on AdWords. You know what I mean? So that's, that's the one, one thing that I, that is across the board universal for every type of niche on YouTube make as much content as you possibly can and be consistent. And that's not just like a, a work hard thing. Like that's a given you should work hard, but technically to feed the algorithm, you need to give it stuff to work with. And the more content you give out there, it's, it's the priority is going to be given to you in the rankings. On top of that, you are going to get more data on the metrics, right? So you'll know what your audience likes, what they don't like by just putting a bunch of videos out and then looking at your analytics. You're like, Oh, this video was about, I don't know, basketball. This video was about the NFL. The NFL one performed way better than the basketball one. Maybe I should talk about the NFL more. You know what I mean? Just simple things like that. More videos is what's going to be the launch pad for your career on YouTube or just the fact that if you want to make extra side money on YouTube. So don't worry about a camera. You can research that. Don't worry about editing software. You can research that. Volume. Make a video every single day, even if you're not editing it, even if you're just standing in front of the camera talking make something every single day and then go uh, get out in the community and comment on other videos that are going to be like the videos you're trying to make. If you are a um, like podcaster and you want to transition your videos to YouTube, go to other podcasts on YouTube and comment on those videos. And I don't mean the ones that have millions of subscribers, find a guy that has 5,000, find a girl that has a thousand and comment on their videos and make a relationship there and consistently be one of their followers. And sometimes they'll check your stuff out and then the community in their comments engage with them and meet people online. It's like when you're at a party and you want everyone to know you, or if you're like a kid in high school and you want to be popular, you don't go to a party and just stand there and hope that people are going to, you know, you know, come and talk to you. If you say one thing every hour, mingle, meet people, get a lot of stuff out there because it's the same thing on the internet. The more people you meet, the more people are going to want to talk to you. Nobody likes a snob. As far as content goes, you don't want to just make stuff and never talk to people. You need to put in effort, not only on the content creation mm-hmm. side, but on the community Dude, side, that's, getting yourself out there. And <laughs> I hope a lot of podcasters who always want to talk about, but I'm going to do a YouTube channel. You hear it first. This guy, my cousin, is he's letting you guys know. So if you guys, like with me, because like I always tell you, like I want to start a YouTube channel. I mean, like I'm already feeding off this. I'm going to learn from this. I'm going to adjust and adapt. And if it helps me put more content to get more followers and this or whatsoever, I mean, man, dude, I always wish like if I had going back, if I was like, man, I, if I would have done the YouTube and the podcast, I would have had the best of both worlds. It's like 
but they're hearing you, Dev, and it's like, dude, you're you. I I need what you have, you know. <laughs> I appreciate that, man. It's it's funny. It's all been trial and error too. I'm just I'm grateful that for whatever reason. I was able to stick it out and put in the effort to make mistakes and just learn mm-hmm. stuff by trial and error. You know what I mean? So I'm grateful that I was able to do that in the first place, but this is the type of stuff that I wish people would have passed on to me back then. And I, and you know what I mean? Hopefully people that are further along than me now have passed up on to me. You know what I mean? This is the type of perspective that content creators should have. We should all be trying to help each other out, which sounds cliche corny, but yeah, it's man. the truth. You well, know that's I mean? awesome. But I know like you're going to be up all night editing videos uh, do you have any last words for uh, my podcast listeners and everyone else who's going to hear this episode? Um, other than, you know, guys, go subscribe to me everywhere. I am Symphony. Um, if you guys have other questions, I do have a course out. That wasn't why I didn't come on here to plug a course. I just remember that the last minute. And I don't mean to sound corny by plugging that, you know, but I do want to say this, that when you guys listen to these episodes, I'm not just saying this because Steven's my cousin. Anybody that you listen to those content creators, if they have a Patreon, if they have some type of way to help them out, even if it's just a follow, like, don't take that for granted. Like every new follow, every new listener, like every, it sounds corny as hell, but it's the truth. Like, even if it's two bucks on the Patreon, even if it's a little donation here, there, even if it's just a follow or subscription, like to the YouTube channel, like do it. Like we don't take that for granted. Do it and then introduce yourself after. Like, don't, don't take listening to these for granted. Like just, it takes five seconds sounds dumb like we're begging but it's the truth like you'd be surprised how much it helps a creator out follow on instagram it's i am symphony it's the i a m s y m p h o n y that's on twitter tiktok uh instagram facebook youtube i have the same url across the board so if you just put in slash i am symphony in your url anywhere i will pop up if you're on any social media platform you put in i am oh, symphony yeah. i will well i just there. want to say thank you for coming on the Mega Man's podcast cousin i mean dude it's this is an honor for for you to come on and i learned so much uh from you from from getting to know you more better i know we haven't seen each other in a year or two but I mean, once this coronavirus is down and stuff like that, I would make a trip to go see you, Miles, uh, Mona. I hope she's not mad at me for calling you Asian. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Uncle Leah, the whole nine yards. And, um, you know, I want to see, I haven't seen a, my, my little cousin, my niece, your little niece. I haven't seen her. I mean. I know. She looks just like Miles, man. Uh, she's a pretty version of him with a little oh wig on, God, it looks like. Version. But uh, other than that, I just want to say thank you for coming on the Mega Man's podcast. I know down the road, um, I want to do a part two uh, for everything. But uh, like I said, Devin, thank you for coming on the Mega Man's podcast. Um, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts on the Mega Man's podcast to make it better. Um, you can find me on the Mega Man's podcast on IG my personal page at megaman6980 um you can find my my podcast on anchor spotify apple podcasts you know the whole nine yards and all whole bunch of platforms iheart will be coming soon um hopefully you know people like we're talking about today like about youtube uh youtube channel will be coming soon down the road and everything uh once again devin thank you for coming on the megaman's podcast I appreciate you having me, seriously. Oh, I want to come back sometimes. We're going to do seriously. a part two and stuff like that because 
I feel like to me with this episode, we only scratched the surface. Hell yeah. No, definitely. Other than definitely. that, again, once again, Devin, for com- thank you for coming on the Mega Man's podcast. And uh, we're out, guys. Later, guys. <laughs>